Yes. Spillage equals wetness. Wetness often is a good thing, but not always. So, buddy, uh, how you doing? It's uh, Friday night. Yeah, I'm doing okay. All right. <laughs> okay is okay by me. Um, let's. You ready to get this thing going? Uh, yeah, let me just... Oops. <laughs> I don't know what I hit. This uh, could be... It'll be interesting to see. This could be a very short episode, or it could be very long. So, I mean, I guess that's the only two options. That's true. I, I have a feeling this will be a long episode, because there's a lot to talk about. There is, and there isn't, but we'll see. Let's get it. Uh, you ready to get kicked off? Yeah, there was something I was going to ask you, and I completely forgot. Oh, well. Welcome to Twin Shadows Podcast. Podcast. Uh Oh yeah, oh yeah, welcome. <laughs> Jeez, I've only had a couple sips. Welcome to Twin Shadows Podcast, the podcast about film, filmmaking, and filmmakers. Brought to you by your two greatest co-hosts and uh, uh, closeted lovers, uh, oh. Tom and Steve. Hey buddy, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, buddy. Um, well, I guess it's, go it's going good and it's not. We were talking about this earlier when we got here. Work's really coming down on us. Mm -hmm. So that's been rough. Like, yeah. Like, I am so busy at work right now. But, you know, I was thinking about it because I'm super busy at work. I'm super busy with home life. And then a lot of projects are coming up that I really have to dedicate a lot of time to. And, you know, I'm a procrastinator. I've realized that. Jog at night, a 15-minute short is on <laughs> years, probably on its seventh year now of Post-production? Yeah, seven years, yeah. So, you know, there's a bit of uh, procrastination that I, I do uh, commit. But, you know, the one thing about procrastinators, as bad as we are, watch for bad, but, you know, eventually you get pushed up against the wall and then you'll do like several all-nighters and get it done, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of feeling that positive stress of it where it's like, okay, no, I need to really stop fucking around and focus on the work and get it done. And and I'm trying to make it positive. So oh. just within this past week, I've just really been focusing a little bit more and and doing a little bit more around the house. And, and even with the projects, I haven't really gotten back on track with that, but at least with the podcast, our last week's podcast, you know, doing some of the editing for it. I didn't finish it. Unfortunately, I broke it up into two parts, but it's a super long one. Yeah. But, you know, just that getting back into that rhythm of that, of working on projects and then getting into a really good rhythm on working on different stuff within the house, different projects. And then at work, well, we have to be done within like two weeks uh, before classes start with um, a lot of our um, intercession projects. So, yeah, I'm really starting to, you know, I feel that fire burning my toes. So I'm really starting to move and, and get things done. So there's that positive element to it. I will say, uh, at least in, into our defense, um, whenever we have a deadline, we've never really fucked that up. I think part of the problem is, yeah, almost, the, is almost the openness. Yes. And if, if like, because if we just, like, set hard goals on ourselves, normally we have always achieved those. Like, and that's how we did Dickhead to begin with. Yeah, we right, were with like the script, with the yeah. post-production period, and then filming. Yeah. yeah. 
it was just like uh, we're gonna give ourselves a couple months to do this, and then a couple months to do that, and then it was like, then we just rolled in to post, and it was like, oh, we're dead. <laughs> well, also when and we when we rolled into post, our thought process was, well, now we have all the time in the world. Yeah, and now we're taking all the time in the world. That's yeah, that's the problem too. It's like yeah, we're te- definitely uh, we've pushed like all of our good graces away from uh, in that aspect. I think. Yeah, but you know, like we did set a. I mean, maybe it wasn't that serious of a deadline with having the rough cut done. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying it wasn't that serious because in my mind, it was like, well, it's going to take however long it's going to take. Now, I'm not worried about that because every time we were working, we were making really good progress. Yeah. And every time we would go over the edit, it just felt better and better. Yes. You know, so it, it really, we were making gains mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like we were just stirring the pot yeah whereas you know but we didn't make that deadline but i still feel that huge pressure it's like okay well now you didn't make that deadline that was still your deadline so now you're just behind yes a month now so yeah because we we should we like well other than the break that we took we would have been done last year like with the edit i think we would have been picture locked if we had just like kept that momentum going Mm -hmm. Um, and then it would have been just like this year would have been about like just interviewing the remaining posts crew. And um, but I would also say in our defense, we've always had and maybe this is a bad thing, but we've always had good reasons for when we yeah. took breaks. Right. Like yeah. this break we took, obviously, for Sophia. Yeah. But then, you know, Emma and Luke were born within that year, within this time span, right? Of yep. post-production. Yeah, the year after we finished Dickhead, Luke was born. And then uh, four years after that, Emma was born. And in between Luke and Emma was all the hectic thing with editors. Yeah, and we, went we went through, through a our, bunch of editors. Our editor drama. Yep. So it's it's never, like, it. we've never actually just, not until I think it was two years ago now, uh, because we're in 2024. So it was. 2022 when we I, I always go back to that cabin trip where that was in 2022 yeah wow that feels like that was last summer yeah that was two summers ago now oh god um and that's where where everything kind of culminated i think mm. for like where it was like oh no we can just do this yeah uh, we just need to do this and it, we like made the most progress we've ever made and like you know um you can't like rewrite history, so it's no point in speculating on what could have happened or would have happened or should have happened because yeah. what happened happened. Um, but you know, hopefully, uh, this film will speak for itself, and it'll definitely speak yeah. for something. I, I mean, I think it's like it's definitely pretty good, and we're getting to a point, like you said, where we're gonna be start we're gonna start end up just stirring the pot soon. Yeah, because we have gone back and looked at scenes, and it's like, nope, I think we got it. <laughs> Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, uh, there, there's no major changes to be made. But it, that, that's also a good thing. Is what it's very good. Is we're, we're really coming to that clear reality because, I mean, a lot of the times, we just got what we got. Yes, and it's like, well, yeah, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It would be better if it were this way, yeah. but that way doesn't exist. All you have is the way that it is, and mm-hmm. you know that's an easy pill to swallow, even though it's painful. But it's easy in the sense where there's no more avenues to take. You know, if you're going to go down this road, this is the route you have to take. Yeah. Or the best route to take, I should say. And and that that's that's a bit 
comforting and or not comforting, but it's just easy to accept, easier to accept. Yeah, it is easier. To, and I think that's just part of uh, just life as a filmmaker. Like, because I think it also gives me a better appreciation for when I watch movies. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, when you see like a scene that's not really working or something, it's like they probably wanted it to be better. Yeah. And it's like the, then, but some you just can't always go back. Yeah. And for the most part, realistically, you really can't go back unless you have like a budget set aside for it. Yeah. Like if we were like paying everyone properly, we couldn't have probably done any of the reshoots or anything like that because that would have added thousands of dollars. But also in that same pockets, in that same avenue, or that's not the word. My brain is mush. But in that same vein, you know, I was watching this documentary on Heat. And it was mm-hmm. comparing it to the LA takedown or whatever it was. Cause you know, he is basically just a retelling of Michael Mann's uh, TV movie. Yes. That he mm-hmm. did like verbatim almost. Yeah. But one was shot with $10 million and was done in like a month versus one that took three months or a hundred plus days. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 40 million, 50 million, I don't know, however million. But it was a big budget movie. And I mean, yeah. look at the difference between the two. I don't know if you've ever seen clips. I've never seen it, um, but I was reading about it because uh, it it's a fascinating story. Yeah. That, you know, because Michael Mann, and Michael Mann has had a really interesting career mm-hmm. where like he makes like the some of the best movies ever. And then he fucks up and goes back to TV. And then he mm. then he goes and then at TV, he's in TV for a bit. Then he makes one of the best movies ever. And then he like fucks up and goes back to TV. Back down. Yeah, and it's so like he like has had this very weird career. Well, not that he makes bad TV, but like you know he came back and made uh, uh, not Miami Vice, um, not CSI or something like that. No, right? what what was the TV show he made? Oh fuck! See, I'm sorry. We're drinking J and B, J and B on the rocks. The Stevens and, Rocks. And we're have tired. And it's yeah, a Friday. Yeah, that's true. It's been a long. It's been a rough. It's been a long week. It feels like it's been a while since I've I've worked like five days in a row, like because it like yeah. we've had the holidays. Oh yeah, and then right after the holidays, there's a President's Day or Martin Luther King or whatever. Yeah, and we, which we had off, and I was like, so I just had like a bunch of four short weeks, and and it's like still getting used to the grind. Yeah, it's it's uh, the full week is pretty brutal. Um, I will say, but what I was gonna, why I was bringing that up is, you know, if we had the money, I think money does show in a film yes when it has a proper budget well also money gets just gets things done faster yeah right like when you pay when like if we were going to when when we pay our composer it's not like you have six months to get this done no it's like we're gonna pay you you have eight weeks yeah right like or you know we'd probably be a little more lenient because we're we're happy to be slow but but it's like it's not like oh you have eight years to get the 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 score done no yeah. you have like two months like yeah. like we want like so that's when I say like things are gonna really roll right because like the colorists they're gonna you know I think eight weeks is probably gonna be like what we ask to have I, things done honestly I don't know about that and the only reason I say that is just because of the money yes but yeah. I also I, I I think we have to be strict on a deadline. Or we run into Sean situations. Well, also, well, I'll backpedal with that. Or not backpedal, but I'll say that. 
I don't think we have to be as worried because we're going to be working with people who make their living doing this. Yeah. And because of that, they can't hold on to a project for six months. They can't be working on your project for six months because they need to eat. So yeah. your project can only be in their mind for like, <laughs> well, like, okay, you're giving me this much money. I'll work on it for three months. Well, I think we had, we had thought that with our editor. No, but they weren't. <laughs> I know. It, it, they were hopefully like, it's not the same situation. Yeah. They were like friends who were like, oh yeah, I could do that. And we were trying to you know, obviously get a, a good deal on a good editor. Mm-hmm. And so we did one of the cheapest routes we could, and then we suffered for that. But I think the the cost of the money, I mean, how much were we willing to pay? Like 5000 Was that how much it was? Yeah. So you're talking about 5000 to edit an entire feature. That's really not a lot of money. It's not, but uh, well, it, it's not it, but it also is. It is and it isn't. Because, for a film, it's not a lot yeah. of money. It depends on like your level, I think, because I think yeah. there would probably be people like that would jump at it if even if it was a thousand dollars, like yeah. uh, good editors or assistant editors, because I do think uh, it, a professional editor should have a, a movie done in a in a couple weeks, mm. right? And so to get a thousand dollars for you, you know, think that's how fast it takes to edit? Absolutely, a, movie? a couple weeks. Yes, no way. Yes, working forty hours a week, like if you give yourself like that, yeah. Right? Like, it shouldn't take you more than that. I think it takes a couple months. I mean, I I think it also depends on the experience of the editor and, like, how hard it is to work with the footage. Yeah. So, like, our film would probably take, like, eight more. It probably would have taken two years, no regardless. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, I think, yeah, a professional editor should, like, should be able to crank out, like, at least the rough edit, like, in a week. And then... That'd be an interesting thing to ask a real editor. Yeah, because I... Because like I, when you're like working timelines, right? Like they're not going to want to work on one job for too long because like of the money. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. they, you're really only buying them for a certain time period, really. Yeah. I kind of feel like everything's going to be in tens, ten thousand yeah. for coloring, ten thousand for for VFX, and then probably fifteen thousand for composing. I sure hope not, because then the movie's never going to get count out. <laughs> well, that's not. <laughs> terrible because I mean if we're both only doing 5,000 and then if my uh, money situation comes in like I think it might yeah dude we don't got to worry about shit yeah that's true but I mean if it is coming out of us it's going to be like oh we're going to get half of coloring done this year <laughs> and then the next half will be next year uh, well, I, that, I sincerely hope I, I was thinking more like a $15,000 budget overall for everything. Yeah, I don't because I don't I don't even think it's be it'd be worth it to pay more than that. Yeah, I don't think because of get just that. the quality of like what the like all the mistakes we have like I think it's worth it. I don't know if it would it's going to elevate the movie enough to like worth like be spending so much money in a sense. I think it's worth it. But you do make a good point where it's like dude, you're not it's not Citizen Kane. Yeah, we're it's not literally a movie called Dickhead. So you yeah. have to have a cap yeah, and it's like you could, I mean, if you know, you could throw $50,000 at it and get the most perfect uh, colorist. You could get the most perfect everything, right? But it's not going to make <laughs> the movie that much better. Yeah, and also they can only work with what they got. And a lot of it is yeah. pretty rough just yeah. in general to make that even better. Yeah, and that's, that's where I've been thinking too is like, you know, you have to be realistic too about like the output of the film. 
and like just actually what's like because to me i think what's gonna is sound is gonna be the sound is gonna be the most important and then the then the composing yeah. like if we get good clean audio and room tone and all that and like all that mix is good and the composing that's going to be the biggest impact I don't yeah. think we need to have like the craziest colorist or anything like that because I don't know. Because um, uh, for the most part, it, it looks decent, especially when I've seen you go through and do your quick coloring. And it's like, this works for me. <laughs> like <laughs> this free. <laughs> yeah. And it, I guess it's going to be harder when we have to start matching shots um, and things like that. But it's yeah. also like, that's what their job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, at least that's what I'm thinking. Because I my I just don't want it like just this to be like a money pit where we sink all this in. It's like, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere because it's you know because of one thing or another. Because that's that's a big fear of mine. Well, I gotta say, I believe, man. <laughs> I mean, I I've spent a ton of money on this project already. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Is that we've you know? already spent, you know, everything. So so I don't mind it. I guess. Because I really want to, I just want to see it done to the best of its ability. Like when you were talking about the editing, well, there's only so many different avenues we can take with the way we're cutting it. Yeah. I understand that. I accept that. But I think that we can hit those ceilings for coloring, for audio mix, for composing, for VFX. Because VFX would probably be real cheap. I mean, we only have maybe like a couple things really if anything yeah you know it's more like just enhancing so but i do think if we hit those ceilings we'll walk away with something as solid as the edit yes and if we can do that then of the low budget films we'll be the greatest 2b movie on the <laughs> platform <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying it's like man i don't want to spend you know fifty thousand just to be in, like next to another 2b movie hey man 2b has the goonies <laughs> Well, Tubi has everything on it. I don't know how they <laughs> they swung it, but everything ends up on Tubi. You know? The commercials. All roads lead to Tubi. That's all I'm saying. The commercials and the autoplay. That's true. I don't even think like you can get a commercial uh, free subscription to Tubi, can you? Do they even have that? No, I wouldn't even want to subscribe to Tubi. <laughs> no, they actually got good movies. They had like, the thing, the yeah. thing, the thing. They have, a, dude, they have good movies and good TV shows. Like Tubi is pretty legit. It's yeah. just... You know, it's also completely full of garbage. Like which it is, is clearly a, a garbage dumping ground. Which is kind of cool though, right? Because. Oh, it's amazing. Because there's some really bad films. And I mean, just like legitimately, these are bad films. But sometimes they're kind of fun too in their own way. Or, or maybe because I come, or we come from that world. I come from that world. So it's kind of neat to see like, oh, I see what you did there. You suck. Yeah. You suck. It's very encouraging, I think, too, uh, just just to watch those. And I really and, and uh, you you had brought up that a film you worked on is on Tubi now. Yeah. So a shout out to Thomas Tuvok and Tulak Tulak and Who Done 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 It is mm -hmm. on Tubi. Yep. So uh, just you guys came out last go, Friday. So go check that out. I'm dying to watch it because I said I'd watch it with you. So I'm not. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm real curious to, I think you're definitely going to enjoy it. I wonder if they spent uh, $50,000 in post. No. <laughs> I mean, cause that movie, like it made it to like some, uh, at least Kevin Smith's festival, like his film fest. Yeah. What is that? Fest? The Smod yeah. fest, fest, film fest. Cause he opened up a theater in New Jersey, the Smod castle. Yeah. 
Um, and so they host a film festival there every year. And that film made it into that, which I mean, it's Kevin Smith. I mean, he's like a huge stoner that just loves to laugh. So I, I mean, heard he gave up weed. Really? Yeah. He got checked into a psych ward and everything. Checked oh, yes. In. I did you read about, about this. Yes. I read about it on Reddit. Yeah, yeah, because he was like, like he was gonna rob Williams himself, you know, like it was getting that bad. Yeah, because I think it was like the stress and anxiety of of like all everyone was sh- like he did He Man that He Man show on oh, Netflix, yeah. and everyone like shit on him real bad, and I think it like really fucked him up. And yeah. uh yeah, I mean, this is all speculation. Like Kevin, I hope you're doing great. Like I fucking love Kevin Come Smith. Come on the podcast, so, we'll we'll hear your side of the story. I mean, Tusk. Great film. Did you ever watch it? <laughs> we watched it together. Yeah, but we didn't oh. finish. You didn't. Oh, didn't that's right. I so did so you actually? I've never finish it? finished it. Oh, no. Okay, I need to finish it. Yeah. Um. I. I, I know. On, on, whenever I think of Tusk, I just think of you being like, "I love that ringtone." I think I downloaded it and sent Ooh, it to you style. too. But yeah, you know, I. Because we're gonna we're we're talking about like a lot of uh, other things, and uh, the main topic is going to be about um some about screenwriting in this episode and we're talking about the oscars because nominations came out yeah i just Um, saw the oscar notes i was like oh shit the oscars yeah um and but to get back to like talking about post and just you know finishing dickhead and and things like that it's like i'm i'm excited i'm like i'm really nervous about like just the funding aspect of it i guess and maybe we could just actually just try to push to get like a crowdfunding thing once we actually have numbers uh, to see. I mean, I, I don't think it would go anywhere because marketing is like that is really difficult. Yeah, and you got to like, really spend time on that. Yeah, and most people, it just fails miserably. Um, because but, there's, but also if we could just get enough money to maybe pay for one, one thing, little aspect. Yeah. I mean, how that's a lot. Because I, you know, I, I bet like if we could at least, I mean, if we could even just raise like five grand, which I don't think we could do in a minute. <laughs> like if we had 10 more years. <laughs> Um, but like, if we're like, yeah, the movie's pretty much done, but we like, the thing is one, I feel like I'm the thing I think that bothers me the most is, um, I have no idea what things are going to cost. Yeah. Right. Like I ha- I've done a little bit of looking, but it literally goes from people will do it on, for free. Like you could literally just get like some dude's assistant that is like, wants to get a, a feature credit and will do your thing for free. Or for, you know, a couple grand, which, yeah. yay. <laughs> yeah. Or, like you said, 10K, 15K, yeah. which is like, okay, that's where it's like buying cars, <laughs> like, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's like, and the thing is, too, is like, you know, it's all out of our pockets, like our, our personal pockets. Well, like, you're yeah. making that big LA money now, so you know <laughs> what I'm saying, big it, papa? That goes all to the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and those little kids, dude, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, maybe I can just go exempt for a year and then just go to jail for like three years for tax evasion. And then once uh, we get all that sweet dickhead money, you can pay <laughs> off your taxes. There we go. Uh, or I can just win this screenwriting uh, thing and that would pay for one thing. But uh, I wanted to talk about something that we had talked about on the last episode, getting into some news. Uh, we had said that uh, George, Car- so that George Car- Carlin special had uh, come out. We had talked about it, the AI one. Yeah, uh, George Carlin. I wish I was dead. That creepy or, one. Or thank God I'm dead, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um. So the family is filing a lawsuit. Yeah. Against um the podcast uh, that did it. Wait, which is that the Will Sasso podcast then? Yeah, it's but he it's not on the podcast anymore. It's called Dudzy. I 
but I've I've not I've never really heard it and I didn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. But from my understanding is it's not monetized at oh, all. There's really like for but they do make money off merchandising and stuff, so I think they're going to try to go off after it that way. Yeah. Um because uh I well, was then reading- that sounds disgusting, right? Like using his voice without permission and you're making money off your merchandise from that. Like- I think well what I was reading with that was interesting is they're saying that and even like in the video they're saying it's it's an impersonation which i'm not really sure like legally and i'm not a lawyer I'm not a, i have yeah. zero i do not i have no idea how this will turn out but legally i don't know what is would be declared like can an ai be an impersonation like if will sasso does like donald trump is that you know does donald trump get to sue him then for his likeness yeah like you want to let her out real quick yeah All right, dogs. Try to let you in here. Because the claims on the copyright are there. It's the used likeness without, without, uh, without permission. Yeah. But it's like, is it's like a weird. It's gonna. I think this could possibly set like legal precedents for uh, court cases because it's like, are. Is AI generated content an impersonation or is it likeness? Because I mean, it would have to be likeness, right? Yeah, I, but I don't know. I'm not like I said. It's going to come down to a lot of legal, a very specific it'll legal be a, a jargon. Really huge case, right? Because it'll set, set the precedent for like deep fakes. Essentially, well, speaking of deep fakes, like Taylor Swift is like cracking down because a bunch of people were sharing deep fakes of like her being naked. Oh really? And like this has been like ongoing with all bunch of different celebrities, but when yeah. it comes to Taylor Swift, like things happen. Yeah. As people say, it's like she comes down swift, you know, like <laughs> or whatever on the internet. It's like, damn, dude, like government laws, you know, and things like that are like are are starting to shake up because of like Well, that shit needs to be made illegal. Right? It does, yeah. Because also it doesn't just apply to celebrities, it can apply to like your daughter. My daughter, you know, it, apply, like, it applies to all of it. It applies to us. No one wants to see that. Buddy. I, I promise you, there will never be a deep fake of us. I don't know. I think there's a few. maybe as like a joke, I think, but I think the hills have eyes. My <laughs> a couple of all of you. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah. go ahead. All of that's really interesting to see how this is all gonna pan out. Yeah, like I said, it really does seem like the wild west, and I mean. This is what kind of like SAG or not SAG. Yeah, SAG was kind of like, hey, we're really worried about this. And WAG, right? Uh, or is that WG? No, WGA. Yeah. Um, but the SAG was like, you know, we're really worried about this. Yeah. Um, because I think there are probably a lot of actors that have probably signed away their rights yeah. to be digitally reproduced. Yeah. And there's probably not, not a lot they can do about that anymore. And I bet there are studios that literally just own people. Yeah. Like, and they can just remake them in AI, whatever. Yeah. That, I mean, there's going to, right. I mean, government's going to have to really get involved and set the precedent here, like the Supreme Court or something, to, yeah, what all of this is going to mean in this new age. Cause even with the George Carlin and talking about the WGA, like, I had never seen such convincing AI until that George Carlin, that AI George Carlin special. Yeah. And then thinking like, wow, if it could come up with this stand-up skit, well, what's to prevent the AI from coming up with a really good script? Like, you know, Cargill said that wasn't going to fly. That wasn't going to happen. 
that motherfucker. I told him. I was like, really? You don't think? He was like, I don't know. I think that shit's going to be pretty uh, pretty strong, pretty quick, pretty real, pretty quick. Yeah. And also, the thing is, too, is uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to be good um, no, for it to be editors. used. There could be human editors, too. Exactly, right? right? It just, it. you're like, okay, I'm going to feed you in, like, every script, learn how, like, learn off these scripts and then generate, and the, it's the thing is, it's going to generate original content, which I think is what is interesting about it. Well, what's original mean? Well, it essentially, it's going to write something that is probably going to look like very closely to something, but be its own take. Like whatever yeah. the perfect, I don't, well, it won't be perfect, but like whatever the mushing of, because I, right, that's what kind of like story is, right? Yeah. Story, like our stories, like our experiences told you know, out through different ways and mediums. Like, you know, you're, you've been bullied. You're, you know, you make, you write Star Wars. Like, <laughs> I'm going to beat Darth Vader. You know, that was like George Lucas's bully, like, right? <laughs> it's probably some guy at Fox that like, you know, like stabbed him in the dick or something. <laughs> well, Fox is actually like save Star Wars. Maybe it was someone else. Let me ask you this, because it made me think of how you were talking about the AI George Carlin, where they just fed it tons of his interviews and stand up and then a bunch of the news, right? And asked it questions. And through that, it formed it stand up. Yeah. And also, well, I'm not entirely sure because I was also reading things that contradict that, that it um, kind of what they did was they also kind of fed it lines. Oh, well, that's so what, so I was kind of starting to get disappointed in that because I thought it was a true example of an AI, like pulling yeah, the originality. But then someone was saying like one of the podcast hosts probably wrote some of the jokes. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, that those were probably the ones we laughed at. Yeah. But okay. Well, anyways, AI will eventually be there, right? To the, to be able to do that at some point. Yes. And probably a lot sooner than we realize. So, what happens when you have this AI and you're just feeding it all of these great masterpiece films? Mm-hmm. And then it's outputting something of a similar quality, even if it's a little less. I mean, being a little less than Doctor Strangelove, like, yeah, that's still going to be a fucking great movie. How would you feel about that? How do you feel about that? And then how do you feel about watching those movies as a consumer? Like, how do you feel about that as an artist, filmmaker? And then how do you feel about it as a consumer? Well, as an artist, filmmaker, uh, I don't care. Really? Not at all. Um, because to me, peop- I'm just ex- as an art as a, as artist filmmaker and as a consumer. I'm just excited to see good things. Mm-hmm. I don't really care where they come from. I don't know any of these people, right? Like I would, I would like to know them. I would like to get to know like more screenwriters and directors and producers and gaffers and best boys and electricians and all this shit. Yeah, I want to know more of them, but. At, you know, at at the end of the day, like, it's just a, like, there's going to be human oversight, of course, but also I just want to see good shit. Um, and if I, if, if the robots are making the good shit, I don't fucking care. I couldn't care less. All I, I am like, a, that's where I come as like a, what is it? It's like a, when like the best rise to the top. That's some soil and green shit right there. Man. Not like, a, you know, it's like when people are like. There's a meritocracy. 
I, that's how I feel about uh, at least with art and film because human writers suck. Yeah. Uh, most of the movies, like we're going to talk about a lot of the Oscar films, really fucking bad writing. Like you've seen most of them. I've seen four of the ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the best pictures. Yeah, for best pictures. Oh, okay. And I've seen I, uh, and I've only seen so I've seen like five of the movies in total, like of all of them. So not that many. I've that's what I got to work on. Yeah. Um. So I have four more to. I, I've uh, like so I have a bunch of the best pictures to watch. Luckily, a lot of them are, are already available on streaming. There's only three that <laughs> hey. are not. I haven't seen a single best picture. You saw... Uh, How's Oppen... Oh, there's the other list. Yeah. I've seen half of Oppenheimer. Yeah, because you guys came <laughs> late. Yeah. So you got a lot to, you got a lot to catch up Does on. Does that mean I got to watch Oppenheimer again, I guess? So. I really don't I'm sorry, dude. Again. Um, but yeah, I've seen, I've seen four of the best pictures and there are 10 best pictures. Um, I had, seven are available to watch now. Yeah. Um, and then three are still in theaters. To go on a quick side there, yeah. um, Thomas Tulik, who, who we just mentioned, he he made a uh, he posted an interesting thing on Facebook where he said, "There's ten best picture nominations, but only how many? Five. But only five best directors. So, do you think the best like should best director be a bigger field like best picture? No, and I don't think best picture should be ten. I think that's too many. Doesn't I it? think uh, best picture should be." however many really good movies there were like what the what does that mean dude? <laughs> I, like my problem is it's like sometimes i'm like there are films like um that are just kind of thrown in there like i know a lot of people are like probably going to be like barbie should be there it's probably it might even win i don't fucking know but like i don't think barbie should be in best picture really you didn't think it was that good not like to me best picture is like parasite Okay. Roma. Well, those don't exist this year. Okay. The best you got that I've seen, which is only one film, is Oppenheimer. You know, even like a film like Coda, mm-hmm. like that was a really solid movie. Yeah, it was very solid. And I, well, even the Green Book was a solid film. Yeah. No, I have no problems with Green There's Book. There's no way Barbie's worse than Green Book. It's not. Barbie's better than Green Book. Okay. So then there you go. But what I'm saying is like, I just want, like, why does it have to always be? 10 like i think it's better when it's five i think it should be like the top five movies um well i thought part of the reason why it was 10 and i don't know where i got this from but i thought part of the reason was so that more mainstream films could get in yes that was the big push because i think for a few years it was like eight because then maybe barbie doesn't get in yeah otherwise barbie probably yeah i don't know because like there was that that big push also because of the Marvel films, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, why isn't this, why isn't my uh, Captain America with Winter Soldier up for base picture? Yeah. And it's like, well, because it's a piece of shit film. But yeah. then, you know, people don't like to hear that. Yeah. And then it's like, well, then we get, but because of that, we get Avatar 2 in the fucking best picture nomination. And then, in, wait, but then also, and they get to plaster best picture nomination <laughs> yeah, on true. every marketing thing. And that's you're true. like, it's fucking Avatar 2. It's like piece of shit. It's like piece of flaming But then, shit. on the same hand, you know, you have these best pictures that no one even saw and they're completely slog. Like, it's just a slog to get through. And they're these art, artsy fartsy movies that really don't inspire anything. And it's just slow and boring. Right. I mean, 
we've watched the list a lot of times and there's it's like okay this there's is that always best a picture where you would never want to see it again yeah and no one's ever going to see it again and everyone's going to forget it even existed well but it, it's like that oscar best picture type of film the one that always popped into my head is fucking uh what is it a uh, shakespeare in love that film's good but that uh, well it went against private ryan yeah i was gonna say yeah. i was gonna look it up if that was one hey but that doesn't count because we know shakespeare in love we still talk about it to this day so well it's one i remember because I, I think that was the first time i ever actually paid attention to the oscars was that oh, really? year yeah uh because um i i've been I'm always always in the to movies and stuff but i remember watching it with my grandma and it was like Shakespeare in Love, and then we rented it, and then we watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is a, it's it's really it's pretty good. It's good, but but Private Ryan, like that movie's monumental, yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, um, it's still talked about to this day. I would, and I, I also would rather watch that any day over uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love. Love. I've never seen it since then, and that was like 1998 or something. That's true, I guess. If I had a choice, well, I don't know if that's so true. I mean, Private Ryan's a little depressing i i don't mind depressing my existence is depressing i thought you liked good rom-coms rom-com yeah but uh yeah gwen's paltrow you know i'm not a big fan of her anymore well you may you brought up something um and i think we should talk about it a little bit more you mentioned uh writing for a grand prize of five thousand dollars yeah you want to tell us about that oh that's the main discussion never mind i guess i should have read the notes <laughs> you should have because i struggled writing those main notes but uh to get into the oscars you said you haven't seen too many but there was a couple of things i did want to bring up um so uh, one thing i think with this year the oscars enacted the diversity thing. oh yeah and i'm curious if that's why iron claw got no nominations because it didn't meet the diversity requirements no because oppenheimer doesn't meet them it doesn't no uh film threat you know how i like watching them a yeah. lot they were talking about that like i don't think any of the best picture really meet the requirements and oppenheimer certainly did it interesting from what they said and i know a lot of people because i remember there was a big pushback because they included jewish as an as a white category well, a lot of minorities would include Jewish as a white category. <laughs> yeah, but and then a lot of Jews were Jewish people were like, "Well, we're we ain't white." <laughs> yeah. Well, no one wants to actually be white until it like it benefits them, right? Yeah. And then it's like, "Nope, I'm white." <laughs> and I think that's a Dave Chappelle joke, right? Where he's like, "Jews can be a minority until they need to be white or <laughs> or gays or whatever, like white men that are gay, <laughs> right? They're yeah. gay until they need to be white, like <laughs> or." <laughs> Whatever it is, and it's like, yeah. I don't well, know. I, I mean, know. this whole diversity shit is—it's—it's it's fucking racist, man. Let's be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't have white people only in your film. I mean, what? <laughs> so you're gonna exclude a film based on race? <laughs> <laughs> like seriously? And then call yourself, not, you know, not racist. But I mean, I get it because within the vacuum, yeah, it makes sense within that specific time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessary. You know, I think Hollywood naturally is kind of going in that direction anyways. You know, it's becoming more open. It's more of society is pushing more for diversity. And of course, films follow whatever society dictates, right? Wherever they feel that it's leading, that's where they're going to go because that's where the money's at. 
I don't know, man. That just sounds fucked up to me. Like if if Iron Claw didn't get it, I haven't seen it. I'll maybe I'll watch it if I watch all the other movies and be like, Iron Claw. That's a huge should have made it. Honestly, to me, like of the four I've seen, it's it's probably second best. No, third best because I think Killers of Flower Moon holdovers are really good. Um, well, it, it will be interesting for poor things. Yeah, I think that's the one that'll be really interesting to see because I mean the favorite was amazing yeah and I've heard nothing but good things about poor your things. your ghost that guy he's someone to look out for and one thing I love too is motherfucker likes to build sets yeah. and to me like I feel like that's almost becoming like a dying art because everyone yeah. just wants to film in those fucking VR rooms or yeah. whatever they are the light panel rooms where and, yeah. I, and I saw a video where it was like do you like do you think this is real and it was like a beach like flowing in and out and like I was like, it looks fake as fuck. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Who's thinking this is real? Like someone that's never been to the beach before? <laughs> like, I, I don't understand who this who this appeals to. Well, I got to give, you know, I got to, you know, Nolan. I don't know. I don't know about Nolan. I But I, I do appreciate him. Right? I appreciate the fuck. Oppenheimer's very little VF, VFX, right? It's all yes. practicals. It's our all, digital effects, it's mostly practical and yeah. being on location and building a lot of that stuff. Like he even blew up a fucking bomb, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, I do appreciate that about him. And and I think there is something to that. It just it it makes something feel more epic. I don't know. Just the way it's able to capture it. I don't know. I can't explain it. Yes. Maybe because it's a little less resolution. So you don't see the seams of the fakeness, right? Because all films are fake, in case people didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you they're not actually killing anybody. <laughs> yeah, so you don't see those seams. Mm-hmm. But with digital cameras now, and 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 the 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 sharpness feels enhanced. So you just notice it more, and it just feels so bad. It just you really can, like I I know I we were talking about on the last podcast. I was watching this sci-fi film where. You could tell everything was on a set. Mm-hmm. And you can because of the VFX. They really just showcase how much things look like a set. Whereas I was watching Alien not that long ago. That's a little set that they recycled over and over. But goddamn, if that doesn't feel like it's a real fucking ship. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, you know? I was actually going to just bring up Alien because I saw someone had posted uh, like a bunch of quotes from John Hurt. Um, but And... But they had a picture, like a behind-the-scene picture of him on the set. Yeah, of him just like leaning against like the space jockey set in oh. the, his spacesuit. Uh huh. And I was like, this looks so fucking great. Like, yeah. And when you watch Alien, and when you watch even like those sh- old shitty sets in like the B sci-fi movies and stuff like that, it's like this is just it feels so tangible. Well, yeah, like um the one before Alien. Um, the space one that they the writer did. Oh, Dark Star. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really dug the sets, right? And yeah. they're just like keyboards and shit like that that they put lights in and whatnot, or yeah, well, telephone uh, keys or whatever. A cartons. Yeah, and they did an amazing job. Like it has it it that film does have a charm to it. Yeah, even though it's there is just a painted beach ball as one of the aliens. Yeah, or well, whatever. It's it's a it's a rough one to get through, but yeah. there is a certain charm. To there it is too. a charm. And I'm such a sucker for it. And it's like, I. the problem is, is I feel like we might be in the minority because those movies don't make money. 
<laughs> I mean, luckily Oppenheimer made money. Well, those um, movies don't make money, but Alien made money, right? Yeah. I mean, but that is that movie's almost 50 years old now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that um there there's something to be said of really good practicals and um or just passion put into a movie. Like I was watching Lord of the Rings because it's on Max. Yeah. HBO Max and um they have the extended versions. Mm-hmm. So while I'm taking care of Sophia, I'm also watching those with her because mm-hmm. you know I gotta kill time and it's comforting yeah. to have the sound and to see the other scenes. Lord of the Rings is like the perfect is a weirdly perfect relaxation film. It's one I always it is, it's yeah. one I always put on too. It's yeah. like if you want to chill for the whole day, just put on the trilogy. It's mm-hmm. gonna last your entire night. Yep. But yeah, it is a bit like comfort food. You know, there there are VFX and they didn't age well. I'll admit. Because the golem mm-hmm. looks like shit now. It's not even the right coloring for everything else. It's a little, the coloring's off so it doesn't blend in as well. And it could be because, you know, everything's just so much more high quality. You know, yeah. you're, you're, the screen you watch is so much more fidelity than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So you can, again, you can see the seams better. But it still holds up. And part of the reason why it it holds up, in my opinion, is because it was shot in New Zealand, a lot of it was practical. Yeah. And then for the real fantastical stuff, sure, then they went. They did a lot um, of sound stages, but the thing is, on this, they built the sound stages up. Yeah. Right? Like they built like the fake rocks and they built, you know, the mountains yeah. and the, like, I know a lot of the, like when in Two Towers, uh, they, the trees, um, yeah. that's all done on a sound stage. Oh, okay. And like, but, you know, they actually like built trees and they yeah. built branches. But not even that. Not only that, they also did miniatures. Yeah. And they utilized miniatures. Like he did every trick in the book is in Lord of the Rings, right? Forced perspective. Like so many just visual effect tricks, they do them. Yeah. And it shines. Like it, it's just a nice little marriage, even though I, I think the digital effects kind of hurt it now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though at the time I was like, oh my God, Golem looks real. Yeah. Um. So... I don't know, but you know, everyone's leaned so hard into digital effects where it's just so in it. And there's always so much going on on the screen. You can't follow anything. You just get bored, numb to it. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and I'm not going to say like digital effects don't require artists creating art. It's just to me, there, there's a. There is a difference. They're not there. I think of when I one of the things that I think about a lot is when I when I'm thinking about like digital arts versus like being on set or like a big green screen thing is um take two uh movies from the same franchise. You have Star Wars, like one th- uh, uh the prequels, and then you have the original trilogy, which had like early VFX and blue screen and stuff for a lot of the space stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you have like um, the map paintings. I, have you ever seen that picture of the guy painting the, st- the stormtroopers? Storm troopers? Yeah, I just saw that the other day. And yeah. you're like, God damn, that is so convincing. I always thought that was real. I yeah, right. And it's like they just hired a hundred extras and they built a hundred yeah. stormtrooper costumes and like it's there. But no, it's just a dude painting yeah. on, a, on and right. And then they just put the glass in front of the fucking camera. Yeah, and then if when you and notice then, those stormtroopers don't move, they're like statues. They're yeah. like, oh shit, that is that's fake. Yeah. And then look at like uh, episode two. <laughs> you, that scene at the end. I don't even remember that, episode two. That, that epic ba- uh, battle scene at the end with 
when uh, Mace Windu like decapitates Jango Fed. Oh, or, at the arena, yeah, that. One. Yeah, that looks so fucking awful. Yeah, and how everyone is just walking down empty hallways. Yeah, it looks like dog shit. Yeah, compared to the dude that just painted <laughs> that just painted on some glass, and that looks beautiful, and it still yeah. convinces you to this day that it works. Yeah, I really had. I never knew that wasn't real. I never knew it and until I, think, I saw that. I think that is the best part of movie magic is when it convinces you that it's real or it, that it's like a magic trick. And I think one of the best ones who does digital effects and you would never know it's fake is um, David Fincher. Yeah. He just uses it as little accent points, like making a building look a certain way or well, he does a- just changing maybe a little marquee. He's and, a, and yeah. You would never know. You would he does never tons know. of VFX. And he does it so well. Like he really knows how to mm-hmm. utilize it within the space he's working and just make it unnoticeable. Yeah. Because he also also it's like the director, it's about how knowing how to blend. Yeah. Like you need so much real so that you can build on top of. Yeah. Um, I think when you build from nothing, also you have to have like the best of the best actors to pull mm-hmm. off uh, essentially standing there and looking at tennis balls. Yeah. Because um, they're like from having worked on l- the limited amount of sets I've worked on, there's a real fucking energy like to being to being there. Yeah. And I, I imagine just standing there in front of a screen is very demoralizing. I don't know. Well, isn't that there that um, famous story? Well, in this case, it's not famous, but that story of Ian McKellen. Yeah, crying on, on set of The Hobbit. On the set of The Hobbit because it was all VFR digital effects and it was just all green screen or blue screen. Yeah, and he was mostly acting by himself almost all the time. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like... Actors need it, you know? I think they need it. They need to see that person. They need to have that environment. Like, the more real you can make it for them, I th- I think the more real it becomes for them and it translates onto the film. And I think that's why method acting is so, um, what's like, like pursued though. Uh, I did read an interesting article about uh, Natalie Portman kind of saying like women don't really get the luxury of being method actors okay. as opposed to men uh-huh. uh, because they're expected to behave in certain ways and they have to like, oh. um, they have to just act where like mm-hmm. men can like, you know, they can become Lincoln or whatever, right? Like they can. Jared Leto can melt people like dead rats and shit. Yeah. And get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean. I, I, that's, it, that's a world I don't know. Like how yeah, someone's supposed say. to act on set. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Just don't, don't kill anyone. Don't kill themselves. Yeah, don't kill anyone. Yeah. But what were we talking about? The Oscars? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Oscars. <laughs> um. Yeah, and, diver- and yeah, diversity, and somehow I got into CGI versus practical. But uh. <laughs> well, see, that's when you need to use digital effects. Just add a couple black people, Asian people, some Mexicans. You know, <laughs> look right there. See him. I mean, you should watch Dickhead. We got it all. Well, no, actually, we don't. We're pretty. We're we wouldn't make it the uh, best picture. We we got diversity. I guess we get the. Uh, uh, maybe you, you are allowed to ask. I guess. And if you, you, no one probably knows what we're talking about. So I think we're okay. I'm not even sure what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Don't worry about it. Um, but I will say, um, looking at the best picture list, uh, other than poor things, because we already kind of talked about how we're excited to see that. And I believe neither of us have seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, are you looking forward to seeing like the most on the best picture list? 
nothing. Really? The only yeah. thing I'm pretty well, no, the one I did want to see is the holdovers because I wanted to watch that with my family. Yeah. Because you said it's a good like family movie. The holdovers is really fucking good. So I wanted to watch that one, but no one wanted to watch it with me. Um, and then the other one, maybe Flowers of the Moon, because of how you built it up. So, you know, that kind of got me interested. But yeah. really, I don't really you know, because Oscar best pictures are always the same type of film. You yeah. know, and it's like I don't sometimes I want to have fun watching a film not to say that not all of them are i mean one of my favorite films is parasite yeah but a lot of times they're just uh, they take so much effort remember when we're talking about movies that take effort challenge maybe they're too challenging for me i'll give them that credit that's not it's just i just want i want to enjoy (laughs) the film yeah you know and a lot of them just aren't for whatever reason well I will say I'm really interested in Zone of Interest. <laughs> Even though that's probably the it most challenging. Boring. The most challenging film I'm just glad the list. Saltburn's not on there. I heard bad things about that film and I do not care all, to see it. All I know is there's like a guy that like drinks like cum out of a bathtub, wa- like water bathtub, bathtub or something. Yeah, that sounds like something I can't wait to see. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, if, if Iron Claw was on that, that would have been my film I was looking forward to. I'm honestly, that to me is... The fact that they got zero nominations is fucking insane to me. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, it's really good. Like, it's really fucking good. You know, there's uh, an epidemic for men, right? Where they're like killing themselves and not going to college and all of them are virgins now. Hmm. I wonder what that Iron Claw movie's about. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. like a lot of the stuff it addresses. Is oh, like, interesting. So maybe that's kind of why it didn't get any recognition because it's a male movie. That's true. It is really just all about like men, men and the men, man struggle. And, Who wants to hear and, about the man struggle yeah, and male issues? We're all just dying off, but you know, fuck them. We're patriarch. But I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even say that's why it's so good. One reason I I would think I think it's so good is it takes a real life story mm-hmm. and it just like gives it to you like here you go like there's no just like a man it just gives it to you huh yeah like i would say it 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 just shows like how fucked up people are Mm -hmm. and it doesn't hold back in a way i think a lot of movies do hold back from that Mm. especially like half these movies are like based on real people Mm -hmm. or like real life stories right you have um barbie yeah, Barbie, which is based on real people. Killers of Flower Moon, right? Based on a true story. Maestro, Maestro, whatever, based on a true story. Oppenheimer, true story. Poor Things, true story. <laughs> <laughs> Zone of Interest, true, true story. But like all these like, and I'm kind of getting really fucking sick of those movies. But then Iron Claw comes out and you're like, oh, well, fuck. Why are you getting sick of them? Because I, I there's something, like I'm so tired of just like, it feels like these are just like set there. It's so easy to, they're just set up and you, they're so easy to just knock out of the park because it's like, you can't really beat true life stories in a sense, because it's like it really sometimes happened. reality is like stranger than fiction. Mm. Um, and every now and then you get like, like that boys in the boat movie, um, which I mean, I, I know why I didn't get any nominations. Cause it's like fucking like white power a, of the movie. Cause it's a boat, a movie about fucking <laughs> Broing, 
That's why I didn't get a nomination. And also, like, everything other than the rowing scenes, I think, are pretty, like, it's just a feel-good movie. And, like, even, like, the conflict in the movie is, like, I just get over it, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then you get Iron Claw, where it's, like, everyone's just killing themselves left and right. <laughs> no like, one's getting over it in that one. <laughs> no, one's, no one's getting over it. Like, everyone's just trying to push themselves. And, like, everyone has a, you know, most people had a fucked-up dad, you know. Yeah. But I guess I just I, <laughs> most I, people I, had a fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like speaking of George Carlin, it's like that George Carlin joke where it's like hell is filled with dads. <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was like, he's like, you know, when you go to a funeral, they're always like, oh, I hope they're looking down on me. He's like, not if they were a dad. <laughs> All dads go to hell. <laughs> Wait, was that the AI? No. Oh, okay. No, that's, that's a real That's from one okay. of his specials. I was like, thank God. And he's Those like, hell is filled with fathers. <laughs> 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 but like to me, it, like, because I've been watching a lot of older movies. Always, because like, I, I, as I do. Oh, I saw you on your on the Plex, uh, Cat People's on there. Yeah, I watched I it. I heard that movie's amazing. It's, it's so fucking weird. I heard it's really good. It is. I watched it. It's yeah, I was so, like, oh, wait, that's Cat People? Totally got Cat People in here? Hell yeah. yeah, I gotta watch it. Yeah. So the same guy that recommended Cat People to me also recommended that Curse of the Demon that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. which is like The Ring, that but it was made in the 50s. The 50s, yeah. Is that on the Plex too? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll check and to me, that is a true hidden gem because I had never never heard anyone talk about it and it's probably one of the best horror movies I've seen in so long oh wow and it it's really fucking good like I it's a movie that actually does probably deserves to be remade today because the effects are kind of leave leave a lot to be desired because it was made in the 50s yeah and and it's like, or maybe it's sixties, but like House on Haunted Hill yeah with the skeleton (laughs) but like the setup of the story is like there's like uh, essentially like a religious occultist priest guy yeah. that curses you with this demon and like you like have three days and then you die. Oh, wow. That is and, a lot like the ring. And you have to essentially give him back this cursed object without him knowing. Oh, cool. So there's like this thing where he's like, won't accept like a piece of paper from the person and like there's all these like there's tricks and it's like trying to figure out how to sneak it back to him to like oh, get rid okay. of the curse yeah that sounds fun and like yeah and it's like it's fucking great it's so fucking good and yeah. then the demon like eats the guy at the end and okay it, well thanks for spoiling it <laughs> well he's some like demon eats somebody demons okay. eat, he eats a lot of people this demon he's a fucking he don't hunter. fuck around huh? he's a hungry demon it's not any really a spoiler i mean it's a movie about a demon that eats people he's gonna eat somebody Somebody's going to die at the end of the movie. I won't say who, but somebody. Someone has to. But I was literally like blown Blown away. away, Yeah, I love that watching like an older film Mm -hmm. and then just seeing it like how timely it still is and how it still holds up so well. Or even feels like it's beyond now. Like like Cat People. That movie's fucking nuts. (laughs) Do you know what it's about? A little bit because my mentor who I talk about talk about all the time mm-hmm. um, he was telling me he's like yeah you gotta watch cat people you never heard of that and i was like no i never heard of cat people. Yeah. he's like oh it's by so-and-so and so-and-so's in it you know because he knows yeah. he's from that time he yeah knows all. he was probably in it <laughs> he is the cat person <laughs> but yeah he's just so knowledgeable and he's like yeah dude you gotta watch cat people if you want to see a good horror film watch cat people I'm like, yeah it sounds well, stupid i'll tell you the premise and it's the craziest premise ever it's about a woman from like slovakia or like croatia or whatever mm-hmm. and she 
is from a village of people that believe that if she has sex, she will turn into a cat and murder her husband. Sign me. <laughs> and so she's afraid to fuck her, fuck the guy <laughs> because it won't, she'll murder him. And wow. it's, and it, and she keeps coming and seeing this cat in the zoo because yeah. she, she starts to like believe the hype. Right. And she's like, Oh, okay. And so she starts feeding the, this like big ass, like leopard at the zoo and shit or Panther or whatever it is. Yeah. And things just kind of spiral out of control from there. And yeah, it gets really good. That's like, there's some really great, like stalking scenes that of nothing. Oh, it's just like the camera. It's like an, almost like an early Sam Raimi ish, like, where is like the threat? And it's like the actors are just portraying that they're frightened and oh, like, there's like something stalking them. And then like, there might be like a rustle in the bushes and they're so like, is it way more psychological? Yes. Wow. Okay. And it's a plus, you know, it's so interesting since you're watching all these older movies, just to hear you um, give the synopsis. Cause like, shit, that just, that doesn't sound like what you would think an old timey movie is. Like singing yeah. in the rain, like it's just people singing in the rain, you know, and, and yeah. it kind of is this cheesy thing. But then when you're like, actually, it's about the the advent or the the invention of the talkies and then all the silent film actors going away and this depressing thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like Babylon. Yeah. Bab- and it's like, oh, wow, that's actually sounds really interesting and really deep of a subject matter, not just some. I guess because when I think of old films, I always think of the 50s. You know, and how those films were, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all musicals, a little bit campy. Yeah, well, the Hayes Code kind of came in at that time. It's yeah, like, it just pre-rates everything the up. ratings. Yeah. And it's like, you can't do this, you can't do that. And it's like, you know, it's like with the diversity thing, to some, it's a le- I think the diversity thing is way lesser of an extent of like the Hayes Code, where it's like, well, you just, just like throw some people in that aren't white, and you're probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> just cast people that aren't white and like You're probably good yeah we'll be good except don't put someone in that's uh, don't cast any trans actors that are gonna play like our straight people or non-trans actors are gonna play trans characters then you're probably oh, yeah fine. yeah because for some that. reason that's a big problem and i don't understand that was one that i'll never i will never understand that position where it's like i just don't understand it and at all i mean they're actors <laughs> guess what they do yeah it's like we're not resurrecting lincoln daniel day lewis <laughs> can be lincoln <laughs> Guess what? He isn't Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> but he's going to portray Abraham Killian Lincoln. Killian Murphy, you know, surprisingly wasn't Oppenheimer. He's actually really bad at math, surprisingly. <laughs> you know, I think he sh- I think you took away a job from Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, you know, and even like, it's like uh, you know, Richard Simmons can't play Richard Simmons in his in his bio. <laughs> Polly Shore needs a job. Um, but yeah, I, I it's something I, it boggles my mind. But I I will say because it's almost been because I've been watching so many new movies. I just mm-hmm. have to kind of like rebel against it because, man, most of them really fucking suck. And it really bums me out. Well, I'll say in defense of new movies, this this year was bad. This was a bad. Wait, this year just started. Last year was bad. Yeah. Last year was really bad. So maybe. Especially for like the, the for me, the mainstream, like the bigger movies, like. Oh, dude! All I watched a lot of B movies last year, like Slaughterhouse, yeah, oh. Silent Knife, yeah, um, just tons of B movies like that. God, it was like Jesus Christ. They're like it, getting through them is agony, and I, the thing is that that blows my mind is I, I, 
I don't know why, but I, I keep going on social media to read and I always make sure I'm posting and trying to tweet. So yeah, you got to get us more guests. Yeah, I try. I'm trying. <laughs> I try. Well, I haven't even really reached out because like our schedules have been, has it's been chaotic. so like, chaotic. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, how would we even schedule a guest right now? Like you, we have one time slot, 10 PM on a Friday. Hey man, you get Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'll call off work, dude. I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> well, that's, okay. That's true. Yeah. You know, you get someone, I'll I'll do whatever I have to. I know. That's why it's like, we need to bring the people on. We need to bring people back on the show. We still have a lot. Like, we still got to finish the Jared and Clark episode. Yeah, I was thinking about that too recently. I've been talking. Actually today. I've been talking with Steven uh, and Joe. Oh, yeah. I've been talking with them. uh, Did you see his YouTube video he did? Yes. On On Boy and the Heron? Yeah, well, it was film in general, but yeah. like appreciation of film. Yeah, I was. That's when I reached out and I was like, "Damn, dude, you know, it's been a while. We like, we should really." That's so funny you mentioned it because I was like, "Oh, it'd be kind of cool to get them back on and talk yeah. about his YouTube and, you know, what he might have plans for with that." Because it, who, who was who did it? It was Miyazaki. Oh no, was it a uh, Steve or what's the other fucker's name? Joe. It was Steve. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, Steve's the one, he's the writer, director, and it's so, it's Steve's so, the cinematographer. It's so funny kind of seeing that because he's so insightful. It's like, damn, dude, I'm just like a dumb monkey, like, can't people, can't people. <laughs> <laughs> damn, good movie. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes, you know, you got you speak to the masses. <laughs> yes, I do. They're like, oh, I understand, master, I understand. <laughs> but I mean, so, um, other than... Uh, one other thing I want to talk about the Oscars is, you know, every year we try to do like some kind of thing for the Oscars and, you know, I'll probably try to have like a party and uh, again, uh, and maybe we can actually try to do the live stream, but maybe not because then we all have kids and like the kids like will be hanging out would be my guess. So maybe it needs to be a little more low key in that well, I sense. Mean, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Like really, we got to do it without the kids and. And also, if we're going to stream it, we kind of have to have like something set up to be a good stream, not just people randomly yeah. yelling in the background. Yeah. But so, I mean, I'd be down to do a good stream. Yeah. I, I Look would, at our partners owe it to us to let <laughs> us chase our dreams. Yeah. <laughs> we gave them the dreams of children. But the real question, buddy. Uh-oh. And you oppose this to me. Uh, I like how it's in color. I, I put I even up the DPI on yeah, the printer. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's a really good looking image. I thought it'd be like black and white Xerox where it's kind of scary. Is that a person? We even have some like nice printer paper, but I was like, I ain't going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll get in trouble. Uh, but So uh, you posed the question, uh, Selma Hayek or Kate Upton? And I think... Uh, now, Im- I will add this note, this footnote. I was just sending that to you as like a joke because it was... oh little perverted and i love how you put it in the <laughs> actual podcast so what is this question you ask good sir so it was just a you know just a simple uh male objectification of women about yeah. you know the physical beauty of two uh very talented uh female actresses well kate and, upton's not an actress right she's a she was in a movie a model isn't she she's been in any she's been in a movie oh really i thought she was only a model i think she was in that Layover movie with Alexander Daddario. Um, and but Salma Hayek, right? She just like she's beautiful. And there's like yeah. Well, I mean, Kate Upton's just like, whoo, my God, you're you're real. We're of the same species. Jesus, what happened to me? 
I was thinking, I know I've been, but, look, I've been looking at the picture, and uh, Selma Hack just has the superior belly button. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, she's. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm a bit big on belly buttons. There's some like weird looking belly buttons I've seen where it's like, like I got a cute one. Oh, yeah. Sophia's. I don't know, man. I well, hope she grows into I it. Say, she's still developing. <laughs> that, that she don't even button. have kneecaps yet, buddy. But it's so, it's so funny because it's like, oh, it's the cutest belly button I've ever seen still, you know? Yeah. Damn, those kids. They just know how to pull at those heart trees, right? Well, they got to survive, right? It's yeah, evolutionary. That's true. I, I definitely like, yeah, you're the cutest kid ever. It was like, but is that true or is that just biology? So stay tuned for Oscars, and then we're gonna jump in. I say, I say oh. we should try to do that a live stream for it if we can. Everyone else is doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's just sometimes hard. No, do. I know it's hard. It's all of it's hard right now. Yeah. But we need to. I don't know. I I think I've been thinking about this lately. Like we need to. Well, I I guess I've always even before my everything now I've been thinking about just the sacrifice of things. Mm-hmm. And I think if you want to achieve the level we're aiming for, or the levels we're aiming for, there has to be great sacrifice. Absolutely. And, and I mean, of course, we want to find the that balance because, you know, I don't want to fuck up someone else's life because of my choices. You know, especially someone so young and innocent and who didn't ask for any of what I put them through. But... You have there has to be that sacrifice. There's only so much time in the day and so much energy one possesses, mm-hmm. and something's got to give. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, we got to figure out what that balance is. But no, but you're right. I think, um, and this is like, this can also go out to you know everyone out there that wants to get into like filmmaking or wants to be a filmmaker. It's a field of art. That is collaborative. Yeah. No one is doing this on their own. Uh-oh. And if you are pretending, like, that's why I always, I'm like, the, you know, I remember you and, uh, always brings me back to, sorry, as I'm rambling, uh, brings me back to, been doing. brings me back to an episode that we did with Jared and Clark, where you and Jared were like arguing about like Arthur theory. Yeah, but I don't really know what it means, so I'm kind of just <laughs> well, arguing it, what I think. Art, like it's like essentially like every every aspect is coming from like the one person. Yeah, which only really like kind of fits with like Kubrick in a sense, where like Kubrick, like the one, sto- but not even true. I mean, look at Peter Sellers, right? No, but what I, what I'm saying is like, uh, what I mean by that is like uh, he had such like such control. Yeah, that like he would like watch the seamstresses do the stitches to make sure that they were like the accurate stitches to the time period for like the film. Damn, and isn't that fucking crazy? Like to like, know like what's accurate. Like if someone's sewing in front of me, I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I'm right. just drinking over here. But to also to me, I'm like, if someone is noticing, like well, I'm at a level where I'm like, if someone notices the stitch on the clothing, I won. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where I'm at. Like yeah. I fucking want. Like you are paying that close of attention to my movie. I'm fuck like yes, mm. I won. Like you were like there. You're watching the movie at that degree. Yeah, with that much attention spent on it. Like you know? there's nothing greater that a filmmaker could ask for. Like if you, if someone is scrutinizing your film to that detail, that means they're watching it a lot. 
yeah. That means you have eyes on your film, which is like what, you know, what you need. But, you know, what I want to get back to is like, it's never just one person. And it's always a collaboration, but it's also a huge sacrifice. Because if you're not willing to give it your all, everyone that else that does is going to, should, hopefully, if the universe has any uh like fairness fairness should stand out above you and that's something i think about a lot because it's like there are people that have probably given way more and hopefully that means that they gotten further um because it's not necessarily even about like raw talent no as much as it's about like just your dedication yeah like when we talk about the edit right we go from like we needed those years to also learn and how how to become better storytellers and how to really understand things and how to kind of like layer and pace and that's something we're even still learning and still fine-tuning yeah definitely and you know it's gonna only hopefully make everything that we do uh in the future be better and it's just but that's it's so hard to quantify what's good and what's bad because there's only like like you know people that are like why didn't avatar 2 win best picture yeah (laughs) and those people outnumber us (laughs) (laughs) by a lot yeah (laughs) by billions in fact uh... right (laughs) but then it's like i feel like you know and then you and there are people like that will be like oh you you know you're talking about cat people like that movie sucks. There's where are the cats? <laughs> <laughs> where are the cat people? There are no fucking cheetahs in this movie, you know, or whatever. And it's like, oh, but like, don't you? Aren't you getting the subtext? Like, aren't you getting yeah. like the like the frustration, the the fear, and everything that comes from like everything that's like you know surrounding like the uh, the beliefs of like, these people and like the expectations that were laid on the women and like the fear and the the power of belief and like all that shit like that is all layered in the movie but it's like also about a movie about a girl that's afraid she's gonna turn into a fucking cat (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like that's i mean like what and it's like the apartment there is a gunshot in the apartment and it's you know it happens on accident (laughs) oh that's right huh there's almost there's no action in that movie other than a lot of people fucking in his apartment yeah but like that's I, I always come back to that movie because that movie is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, for you. Yeah, it's not. There's no competition. the the uh, The intentions of the filmmaker are felt. Mm-hmm. The emotions of the actors are felt. Like, and that I to me that's like the most important part. And this is what I've been really caring about when I watch movies lately: is how does it make me feel, and what can I remember? Yeah. Because prob- my biggest problem with all the, with a lot, like, as you mentioned, you watch a lot of B movies like uh, It's a Wonderful Knife and what was the Back to the Future one? Um, oh, um, uh, what was the Back to the Future? Totally Killer. Totally Killer. And Which it's like, I, thought, I thought that film was, I was fine pretty with fun. It. Yeah, I was fine with it. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was fine. I watched it. Actually, that was the only movie I watched in, in my, in the backyard on Maybe the big I screen like last year. Kiernan Shripka or whatever. Yeah, how do you pronounce her name. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, the girl that she's the new uh, Sir, uh, Sabrina. 
in like the. Well, I guess they canceled that show. Yeah, I didn't watch it at all, so I don't know if it was any good or not. But what I'm getting to is a lot of these movies, like they just they don't have any emotional resonance. Yeah, at least for me, and like that is probably more of a personal issue than more than anything. But then I watch movies that give me that make me feel, and I'm like, well, these movies are making me feel. Why aren't like the like these ones? Like maybe it's because. I don't have a certain connection to them or what. I think it goes back to what my theory is. Because, you know, at work, we were um, updating computers. So what we'll do, because we're stuck in one classroom waiting for stuff to update. And, you Mm -hmm. know, you know how it is to update a bunch of computers in a room. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're in that room for a long time. And we have a big TV. So we'll put on movies. Yeah. So we have something in the background to just. Um, just for sound, I guess, more than anything. And and I put on the Goonies. And I was like, you know, because I remember when the Goonies came out, it was such such a huge part of the zeitgeist, at least in my family, where it really resonated with them. And even to this day, they still quote the Goonies. And And I was like, damn, what's the difference between like the Goonies and that J.J. Uh, Abrams film? Eight millimeter? No, um, <laughs> no, that's the other one. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Uh, what was it called? Eight something. Sixteen millimeter. Super eight. Super eight. Yeah. You know, because that's essentially the Goonies and ET. So, what's the difference between that and that? Because I bet you never thought of Super Eight until I mentioned it, or if you see it on like a little, you know, video essay. I did try to rewatch uh, Super Eight uh, a few years ago. Because I'm ever really enjoying it in theaters because I'm such a sucker for movies about making movies. Mm. And like half that movie is about them like making a whole like a zombie yeah, movie. Which is fun, especially at the end credits, you get to see it. Yeah. And you're like, that's like all I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, it, it has a lot of resonance for me for that. But then also it's like there is just something lacking. There's yeah, why isn't Super 8 the Goonies? Goonies. But you know what I think it is, is that Everything wasn't as commercial as it is now. Everything wasn't as, you know, we, we don't need, a lot of times people won't even say their films. They'll just say it's content, creating content. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just about creating something to be consumed. It's not about making a movie. And, and the perspective has changed. You know, it's about the money. It's about the content. It's about hitting diversity quotas. It's about hitting PC quotas. It's about yeah. hitting money quotas, right, for the marketing and all of that. It's about getting your main actor on Jay Leno or I'm sorry. I know Jay Leno has another night show in a long time, but ultimately it equates to his money. It's about the money. And of course, film has always been about the money, but the filmmakers didn't feel like it was about the money. It felt like they were trying to make a movie within a world where they had to then produce a profit, which is reasonable, I think, Mm -hmm. to ask. And so there's a different heart. You know, like the Goonies, they were just trying to make a fun kids movie. Well, I want whereas like Super Eight, I mean, it feels like just trying to make content. And so many other films, it's like, oh, you're just making this so that when I'm sitting at home, I'll put on Netflix and I'll stream you, and then I'll pay that subscription. I will say this, and this is something you bring you bring up a good point. I think I have a an answer for you about the difference. Like an actual concrete answer. No, but I mean, I feel like that that my theory holds true in that 
they were just coming at it from a different place and producing something that was different, even though they look similar. You know, like even though McDonald's looks like a hamburger, shit, man, it ain't no fucking hamburger. Well, one thing I want to say is, and and it's there was there's a point in history, and it's probably I want to say it's going to be like probably like post maybe like two thousand five or something where we just started losing that movie magic. And the Goonies was directed. I, I just confirmed this, and I was proud that I remembered. The Goonies is directed by Richard Donner, who did yeah. Superman, yeah. and it's pro- heavily produced by Steven Spielberg. It was when Steven Spielberg was like doing like Poltergeist, like he was producing like these like movies where he was kind of directing, but like not. Directing. Oh, he kind of directed the Goonies. Yeah. Oh wow! And it's like there were three movies that Spielberg had like this influence over. And I, hold on, I'm, don't worry, don't lose me. So speak, there were three movies, right? That Steve, and it's going to be Poltergeist, yeah, The Goonies, and Gremlins. Oh, really? These are all heavily produced by Steven Spielberg. Where he almost directed them? Yeah, where he's like, are... he, the, the influence of Spielberg and Amblin can be felt, his, his producing company, oh. can really be felt like in this. And they were like, this was the, this is like the 80s era where Spielberg was like un- touchable and then you have super eight which is coincidentally also produced by spielberg no shit yes so directed by jj abrams whose hero is steven spielberg jj abrams has been chasing and wanting to be steven spielberg as uh and i think the problem is is like whereas it's like it's like going from the progenitor to like the mm-hmm. next, mm-hmm. the next step down where he's an, an he's a imitation, imitation as he's a pu- AI George Carlin. He's AI George Carlin. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, he, he only had a taste of the real deal, <laughs> right? Richard Donner, uh, Toby Hooper and uh, Joe Dante. Joe Dante yeah. They got speed. Steven Spielberg, like, you know, like he was there on set. Mm-hmm. He was making sure that that magic was there, right? Like Gremlins doesn't work without Spielberg, right? Probably being there. And like, of course, Joe Dante probably, he did a lot of work, but like Joe Dante fucking hated working on Gremlins, things like that. Like, yeah. I'm, well, I'm Gremlins 2, right? He hated, well, he, he hated Gremlins 1, 2 yeah, as well. Because of working with all the puppets. It was a huge <laughs> pain in the ass. Oh, okay. Um, And he was like, I'm never going to do it again. But then he like, Got kind of got forced into doing Gremlins too, I believe. It's a very interesting story, I think. Uh, I've heard it before, but I'm, I'm getting well, it. Because Poltergeist is a really interesting story as well. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, Toby Hooper, notoriously like hard to work with a uh, director. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the whole thing about like Steven Spielberg, like standing in the, in the water with the main actress when she was like afraid that the lights were going to fall on her and electrocute her. Oh, wow. So he got in the water with her. It's like... Well, I mean, in regards to Poltergeist, I heard that he really kind of directed that film. Yeah. Yeah, and you hear that like with a lot of things. I've never heard for the other ones. Yeah. I've only heard that for Poltergeist. Poltergeist, definitely. Um, But it's like, you know, like we are entering the generation of filmmakers where it's like they're, this is like J.J. Abrams, right? He, you know, he wants to be Steven Spielberg, but he's not Steven Spielberg. 
and like he needed to find his own identity and not and not essentially just like make a copy of a yeah. copy mm-hmm. and then you have that with like even with even to which Sazel a little bit where he's like chasing those heroes of his old like old like if you watch singing in the rain uh-huh. and then you watch babylon you'll be like what the fuck like why did he make ba-? like babylon is such a weird movie in in uh juxtaposition to singing in the rain because it's like babylon is the movie that ex- is like that <sighs> it's so weird yeah because it's like babylon is the universe in which like i don't know it's so like singing in the rain like came out in the 50s but and it's about like the, the same kind of era yeah but it has such a different take where babylon it, it's like is far enough away where it's like you can look back and be like yeah there were a lot of gross aspects as well mm-hmm. and that kind of muddies the water a bit right because you have like all the weird darkness in which babylon it, yeah. yeah which is kind of like not like singing in the rain is like it's mostly pretty he's, he's still singing in the rain right yeah. he's still dancing in the rain yeah yeah and like there's still it's like pretty much like hyped up and vibey and then there's still like this beautiful magic to the hollywood scene yeah which babylon imitates but then it's like oh yeah and then we have those like weird toby Maguire scenes and then yeah. right like uh <laughs> yeah when it turned into a horror movie it's like what the fuck yeah uh, uh, <laughs> no one like gets in a bathtub and blows their brains out <laughs> in scene in the rain <laughs> But it's like, you know, like, it, it's like, it's really weird, right? It's like, we were far enough away from that era where we can look back at the horrors. And also we're in an era where everyone wants to only really look at the bad. Well, I think they want it to be acknowledged because it happened. Right. Right. Everyone wants to acknowledge like, the horrors. It's time to bear witness to, exactly. to some of this bullshit. And I think a lot of people still want to live in the dream. A lot of people still want to... <laughs> A lot of people still want to be ignorant to it and just remember the good old days. I don't know if be ignorant, but I would say that certainly, you know, looking at the bad is so fucking depressing. That too. And that was one thing about with um, Scorsese's movie that I really liked is like, uh, like motherfucker did not hold back. And a lot of people are like, he wasn't the right person to tell the story. It should have been uh, Cause he was because he's not. You know, he's native. fucking Martin Scorsese. It's <laughs> like who better to tell the story than like one probably of the, the greatest living filmmaker. Is he the greatest living filmmaker? He's one of them. He's definitely one of them. Who else? Herzog, Spielberg, I guess. Um, like of the old guard, Tarantino's a little too young, in my opinion. So he, I won't include him. He is, but I also. <laughs> but like, no, yeah, I, I, no, Scott Tarant- Ridley Scott. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else is still alive. <laughs> and making movies too. On yeah. top of that, still, yeah. The thing is, Scorsese is still pumping out movies. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you talk about it in that way. Scorsese is untouchable, right? Because he's been making movies for like seventy years, and I mean, he's made true masterpieces yeah true masterpieces because you know when people i know like i know it's it's fun to shit on tarantino but like he's completely reshaped movies yeah no i would consider tarantino more of the of the he's like you you said the progenitor of Mm -hmm. like chazelle's and you know all these new young directors that are out 
that I don't know if Chazelle, I wouldn't say Chazelle is like is heavily influenced by uh, Tarantino at all. Oh, no, no, not Tarantino. But I mean, you see so many directors nowadays who it's like, yeah, you, you like Pulp Fiction. For you, Pulp Fiction is like top five. Mm-hmm. For a good reason. I mean, it's an amazing movie. But it's like, that's your era, you know? And mm-hmm. and Tarantino's that progenitor of this new golden era of cinema that doesn't exist now. I kind of hate it because Tarantino, because uh, too many people cannot write like Tarantino can write. No Dial- one can write like Tarantino. Especially dialogue. And I was watching Stretch because uh, I had got that other movie that was kind of like Stretch. And I was like, oh, maybe I should just watch Stretch again too. And I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, like Tarantino, like ruined, he's kind of ruined movies. Because everyone, yeah. everyone is try- is tries to write like that witty to be that Tarantino, like a uh, bullet train. Yes. Where it's like, you're not even here. Like you're hearing the ghost of Tarantino and like the dialogue. This pale imitation that sounds like bad robot. Eh, yeah. eh. Isn't that interesting? J.J. Yeah. Abrams hey, is bad robot. robot. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And the thing is too, is like, they, they're, they're like J.J. Abrams own success has probably ruined him as a, as an artist in, to some degree. Because, so J.J. Abrams, so then he becomes really popular and big. So like Steven Spielberg start trying to make movies like J.J. Abrams, but J.J. Abrams is trying to make Spielberg movies. <laughs> and then that's how you get like, what's that shitty Spielberg movie with like all the references? A Ready Player One. Like that movie fucking sucks. Like I don't care what anyone says. That movie is hot garbage. No, it does suck. But what is cool to see, and you know, it's just, Ew, it makes you feel gross. It's just seeing the DeLorean again. Yeah, or seeing... Um, the Iron Giant. Right, yeah, Godzilla fight the Iron Giant or whatever happens you know, and, in that and, movie. And, and yeah, that pulls... You're, you're pulling all that nostalgia <laughs> and it's disgusting because I like it. Yeah, it, that, that's what I hate too is because it's like, you know where to hit me and it fucking sucks. Yeah, it's so cheap. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. Exactly how I feel. Yeah. Because it's like you know, you know how to fucking pull my heartstrings, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Like, like with Spielberg, you fucking cocksucker. Like, well, Spielberg didn't direct the new Indiana Jones, but that new Indiana Jones, it's like when they're playing the indie theme and it's like kind of slow and it builds yeah. and it's like you fucker, you're pulling. Oh, my- like the commercial, right? Yeah, you said like, how much you love the trailer. Yeah, it's like dun 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 yeah. dun dun. That yeah, just hits it. That's but you know that's. And then you but see, but then the bad version of that is Star Wars. Yeah. Right, because they did that shit. They retold A New Hope, and it's like, dude, it's just so disingenuous. Like, it's it's disingenuous. That's the big issue. All of this shit is just so disingenuous. No one's sincere, and all the sincere movies are hard to find. Mm-hmm. You know, no one talks about sincere movies. Like, I wasn't a big fan of Minus One, but that movie was sincere. Oh, I love Minus One. I loved it. And I, I will fight for that movie forever because... You know, I shit on it because Shin Godzilla. Which well, isn't fair. Which isn't fair. I'm, yeah. I'm placing a very unfair bias. But it fucking sucks. But... It doesn't suck. <laughs> but, but you know, Shin Go- or Minus One was a very sincere movie. For whatever they were trying to do, it was very sincere. It wasn't coming from a place like, oh, we're going to make tons of money on this or... Oh, this is going to be great on the new platform, Apple Plus, when we mm-hmm. get, you know, when, when they buy us. 
that wasn't a part of the equation. Yeah. And well, the thing is, too, is no movie, no Godzilla movie. And there's, I think, I saw that. I think that there's like 38 Godzilla movies or something. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. And there's not a single one that has even come close to the original. No. Which, well, Shin Godzilla, in my opinion. Not to me. The original is still so much better. Because, well, Shin Godzilla also... I think Shin Godzilla is a great well, sequel. Shin, Shin Godzilla is a representation of a different disaster. It is, but and I think... That's why, I, and that's its power, right? It's but, but it's like a perfect sequel because where can you go with Godzilla after that? After the original? It, like yeah. Aliens. I think Aliens is like a perfect sequel because it's like, well, where do you go after Alien? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh... Yeah, go in that direction. That's great. Yes, you made something that I love, and I'm so glad I got to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, the progenitor. I don't. I don't know if you can ever be a progenitor. I don't know if a sequel can ever be better than an original. Like even Empire Strikes Back versus A New Hope. Man, A New Hope just has. A, and this is just for me. It just has that extra power, man. Like it has that bit of magic. Yeah, and it, it is rare. I mean. <laughs> Because technically, I think you can. It has happened. Objectively, it can happen. There are sequels that are better than the original. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Die e- Hard, the e- right? Isn't Die Hard technically a I sequel? Because the originals with Frank Sinatra are... I don't I don't know. But yeah, Frank Sinatra played John McClane. Really? Yeah, because John McClane's like a pulp novel. Really? I did not know that. I know yeah. it's a no- I know there's like a novel for Die Hard, but everyone says it's terrible. It's a terrible book. Yeah, so... You know, I'm sure there's stuff like that. But, you know, the, the go-to is Godfather 2 versus Godfather. But Godfather is so much better. Godfather is really good, but... No, that's a bad way to say it. That's, that's, I was gonna say, that's a bad way to word it. It's definitely not, like... That's a, that's a very bad way to word it. The thing Sorry. is with Godfather is it's like there are two masterpieces that are headbutting each other with, like... And then there's a the third one, which is, like... <laughs> it's, like... Some kind of like inbred stepchild. Oh, Francis Ford Coppola being a great living director, but he—I mean, he hasn't made anything. That, movie, that fucker made Jack since uh, <laughs> Bram Stoker. Although he wants to do that Megaopolis or yeah. something that he's self-funded. Josh and I were talking about that today, actually. So we'll Good. see. We'll see. Maybe that'll bring him I back said, into the conversation. We'll see who releases their film first. The Coppola or us, because Megalopolis <laughs> has been in production for over 10 years. Hey, that's a good competition. <laughs> but I mean, I, I like Francis Ford Coppola a lot because he's done a lot for film, like a Zoetrope. Yeah. And then the magazine. And, you know, he really tries to help filmmakers get out there in films. Well, he didn't even really want to direct a lot of the movies. Like, he didn't want to direct Godfather. Oh, really? He wanted Martin Scorsese to direct. Wow. And Scorsese. Could you imagine that? Wow. And Scorsese was, uh, I think he made. What did, he made something else instead. And so he had to end up taking the reins and directing it himself. He didn't want, he wanted George Lucas to direct Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And Lucas was like, I'm making this movie called Star Wars, so I can't do it. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think George made the right choice, even though Apocalypse Now is probably one of the greatest movies ever made. But yeah. Star Wars is as well. That's and also, an interesting question. Here's this. What's better, Star Wars or Apocalypse Now? I mean, socially, culturally, obviously, it has to be Star Wars. Yeah. There's really nothing, no movie 
probably bigger than Star Wars, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I'm not um, going to show Luke Apocalypse now until he's like 15. Like, no, there'd of be no not. point. But like, but I, Luke and I have watched Star Wars already, right? So, but what's like, Apocalypse Now is a better movie. Who wins? Who wins in the in the fight of cinema? The cinema battleground. Apocalypse Now. It has to. Uh, the the issue with Apocalypse Now is it's one of those it's like it's in that Blade Runner category it's where in the editing right where it's like motherfucker did not leave it alone like which like there's so many different versions and each version kind of changes it yes well I saw to a great degree I saw Apocalypse Now Redux that's the newest one or there's like a final Redux I think it's the second to newest but that was a very good cut cut of it mm-hmm. and i yeah. think yeah and it's like that's one thing with these filmmakers that like george cannot leave his fucking movies alone coppola c- cannot leave his movies alone right ridley scott how many hey why are you talking shit on them we're still gonna come up with dickhead <laughs> redux <laughs> we're not making dickhead <laughs> redux I, I could see us actually like doing like a like just just re- like doing like an evil dead thing where like <laughs> we just remake dickhead <laughs> well michael manit yeah um but you know like i think that's the thing about these filmmakers when they make a masterpiece is that they can't leave them alone well probably because they were like us they had to settle with shit they didn't want to settle on yeah except we made dickhead and they made apocalypse, apocalypse now. now blade <laughs> runner you know and it's like nah dude Walk away. You won that one. <laughs> you won that fight. Don't worry. Yeah. Although the they have made them better. Yeah. Which uh, is crazy to think about. That there is actually like... Well, I heard the best version of Blade Runner is with the... Um, the narration. But also the longer version. And the alternate ending where it's not... The, oh, I think the best one is without narration. Personally. I've only seen that one. Without now? Without? Mm-hmm. I think that one's but the best one. Blade Runner's so hard because I think there's literally like uh, six. There's at least six different cuts of it. Yeah. There, I, well, I don't know how many for sure, but I know there's at least four that I can because there's, there's, there's at least four. But I will say the one that I, I've seen at least two that I, I know of, but the one that I think is the best is the one with the unicorn yeah. uh, origami. With no voiceover. Because... uh, Honestly, they've actually all been better. The only one who really made it worse was George Lucas. Yes. Right? Because like Apocalypse Now, the version I saw, it was like fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, Apocalypse Now is is really good. But it's also, you know, based on like one of the best novels, like Hard Darkness. Yeah. And it's a story that's been told over and over, right? The guy that has to go up and discover who he is while, you know. I think I have like two or three copies of that book and I've never read it. It is oh, so really? short. I, think, it is I don't short. even know if it's a, it's a novella. I don't even think it's a novel. I remember, ha- I remember reading it in high school. Yeah. I've um, never been able to get through it. But it's pretty good, right? It's uh, Well, yeah. It's one of the greatest books. Yeah. And I think they've actually made Heart of Darkness, the movie, with uh, Val Kilmer was in it. Oh, really? Yeah. I know he's in the Ghost in the Darkness. Oh, Ghost in the Darkness, which <laughs> I don't know if that's a remake. That's no, what, that's Ghost in the Darkness is about a true story, in fact. Of, about them going to hunt like uh, the last white lion or some shit, no, right? No, it's where the lions go psycho and they're killing all the uh, people. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It's a great movie. But yeah. Um, damn, we, we really, really went off on that one, huh? That's why I said. I think there's a lot to talk about. It, it's been a while. <laughs> there's always a lot to talk about. But it's been a while, and this is like one of our only outings. That's true. It's like the only time I can really like just like truly relax and just talk about the things I care about. <laughs> when I'm at work and I'm just like, have you guys ever heard of cat people? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Tom's at it again. Yeah, the people are always like, you're really in the movies, aren't you? And I'm just like, oh, where's Stephen? <laughs> I need help. Yeah, right. That I actually know cat people. I was like, Tom, you got cat people? I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah. And it's like, you're excited to watch it. and I, Like, I wouldn't have to like talk you into watching Blade Runner. <laughs> you, you know, my, my, my mentor also told me about a film worth watching, but it's more art world. I think it's called Bucket of Blood. Yes, of course. Bucket of Blood. Yeah, directed by Roger Corman. Okay, well, there we go. Did you like it? <laughs> it's okay. okay. It's like, it's like the... It's about the art world, right? Wait, am I thinking of Bucket of Blood or... Let me see which one. Maybe that's not the right title. You know me. Because Bucket of Blood is directed by Roger Corman. Yeah. Yeah, it's about the art world. Yeah. Yeah. He said, if you want a perfect depiction of what the art world is truly like, watch Bucket of Blood. Yeah. It's um, one of the movies that kind of started off uh, like the Grindhouse. Oh, no shit. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think it's, uh, or it used to be um, for free on YouTube. So anyone, if you want to check it out, you can see it. Most Roger Corman productions and film which you know interesting enough roger corman is the one that gave coppola his shot at making movies well he gave tons of people like almost everybody yeah and then the thing that's cool is like then coppola followed that up and like gave a bunch of people their shot but was that roger corman before he was roger corman as he's well known now because uh bucket of blood i believe is well i just looked up it's 1959 so it's it's pretty early corman and then Roger Corman mostly then became like a producer and then just kind of directed a few things. Like he made like his own Star Wars. He's made like Roger Corman made like yeah. everything. Yeah. Like every like B like movie you've made is probably his fingerprints are there. It's so cool how he has that like that thumbprint on so many things. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty fucking cool. But no one would know. Yeah. Unless you know movies, you really wouldn't know. Yep. And you're, yeah, exactly. I guess like Tarantino, right? Except Tarantino's making uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his latest film, you know. Mm-hmm. But that thumbprint just there, and it's going to echo for and at least a few and more And that's decades. where I, I, I got to give it to Tarantino is he's not going to, he's not like, oh, I'm completely original. He's like, no, I got that from this movie. I got that from this he's movie. He's never claimed that. I've never heard him say anything like yeah. that. Like, oh, it's all me. It's all me or anything. Yeah. Shit like that. That's what I love. He Because he, it, his love of film is so infectious. Yeah. And it that's what, it's like, oh, he's one of us. Like, he's just one of us. And he just, you know, he put in the work and he put it in and he has the memory and the knowledge to be able to like, well, I'll, I'll say pull it man, all together. He's got one more film in him, and you know, I worry that. I mean, I'm sure it'll come along again, but that's like the last filmmaker where it's like, oh shit, he's coming out with another film. Like, there's, I mean, I get excited. I I remember leading up to Once Upon a Time, mm-hmm. how excited I was, and I was like, oh my god, another Tarantino film, and and I think. 
I placed an unfair bias on it, you know, because it's he's got to live to such a high bar. And he really never fails. No, not even close. You know, he really doesn't ever fail reaching, reaching that bar. He might not lift it as high as you want him to. He might not raise it. The thing, but he's definitely doing the rep, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, I got one. The, the thing I will say is, what if your worst movie is Death Proof? You're doing mm-hmm. really fucking well for yourself. That's true. And I love Death Proof. Death Proof is a lot of fun. And I know because a lot of people are like, after well, Kill c- Bill, his movies all suck. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here! Like Django Unchained is awesome. Who says that? A lot of people, like every a lot of people, have been coming down on him lately. Because I've, I've heard tons of people say like Inglorious Bastards is their favorite. Django is their favorite. Yeah, because I've heard there's a lot of hate for Hateful Eight, which I don't get. And in my opinion, I think that's his magnum opus. Is that what they call it? Yeah. I, I, I mean, really, his greatest film is Pulp Fiction. Yes. Pulp Fiction is his greatest film. It's his greatest film. But I think Hateful Eight is like peak peak like yes you have mastered the craft you are master filmmaker here we go pulp fiction is a movie that it's like i can just pick scenes from that movie and play them in my head like on repeat there's one and it's also one of those movies every time it's on i'm sitting down i'm watching it there's this if i see it on streaming i'm sitting down i'm watching there's a shot in pulp fiction that i absolutely love and it's when butch is like sneaking back into his apartment and it's uh like this tracking shot uh, following from behind him and it's like the camera like jumps over a fence oh yeah and, yeah yeah that scene yeah yeah that's uh right before the car accident yes dude see how that movie's <laughs> just like ingrained yeah and and i'm just like there's nothing particularly exciting exciting about it. i love how but i love how real it is too. exactly yes it, it's like it they is. just it was like they were guerrilla shooting yes Exactly. And it's like, okay, th- it, this is like Butch trying to sneak into his house because he got to get, he has to get the fucking watch, right? Yeah. And there's been this buildup about him needing to get this watch. I mean, I know like if we ever get to the, the criterion list again, it is on the list and we'll talk about it. But like he has to go and get his father's watch, right? If yeah. you've never seen Pulp Fiction, what, don't, like, how are you listening to our podcast? Yeah, <laughs> that's like mandatory. It, it, there are only like five f- mandatory films to listen to this podcast. It's like you need to have watched Alien, The, <laughs> the Thing, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, well, and there's probably two others. <laughs> come, come and see. Please, like, please go watch Come and See. Yeah. It is free on YouTube. No there, shit. It is. There is a cut on YouTube. Like, wow. uh, it's a subtitled cut. Just go and fucking watch Come and See. It's free. On YouTube. You know, no one really ever talks about Come and See. That's the craziest thing. Yeah. People know about it. Cinephiles know about it, but no one ever talks about it. I don't get it. Well. Too real? It's too real. Well, you talk about challenging films, right? Jesus Christ. I I, I still remember the first time I watched it, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I didn't want to watch it, so I was drinking whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck, what am I watching? <laughs> She's like, oh, it's the whiskey getting to me, isn't it? Man, that film. I remember, especially the start of it. It's so rough, right? It's just like I remember oh, what thinking, the like, yeah, because you're like, what is this? It's like and a- again, again, you get again. It's like, oh god, I'm watching like fucking autistic kids find a gun in the <laughs> dirt. But <laughs> then at the end, it's like, holy shit, are you for real? Right, because it's a movie that because a lot of people like will watch Saving Private Ryan. 
And right, and Matt Damon's character is like, I want to fight for America. Yeah. Yeah. But then you don't get to see the scene where like everyone's getting burned alive in a building (laughs) and they're trying to decide how they're going to kill the Nazis. And then, you know, the the character, he's just standing there like shooting pictures of Hitler. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's the the difference between come and see and like Private Ryan. When you finish watching Private Ryan, you're like, yeah, let's go kill those Nazis. And, you know, you're buying into the propaganda, you know, like fight the evil. Mm hmm. But when you watch Come and See, it's like, let's kill some fucking Nazis because I fucking hate them. But also when you watch... And it's just so dark. It's like this dark, hateful film that... The thing about the end of Come and See, it's not even like, let's go fight the Nazis. It's just like, Jesus Christ, war is so awful. I know. It's just We shouldn't even fight the Nazis because there shouldn't be Nazis. Well, of course. Like, there's no excuse for human humans to do this yeah. because we collectively agree that like hurting each other is probably bad. I would hope. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> right? we don't collectively. That's the problem. Agree that. That's the problem, right? I mean, I love UFC. Look at UFC. It's about damage. It, but it's an. It's like, I guess that's true. It's like if you live in reality, the necessity is that. We're still those hum- fucking monkeys yeah. in 2001, man. Yeah. We didn't, like, we're, we have, like, we aren't that different. And we're America. And that, we got and the that, biggest stick. And that's why that's one of the greatest match cuts in history is yeah. because the bone becomes the nuke. And the thing is. Which is bad on Kubrick because I had no idea what that fucking shit was. I had to research it, is, it on Wikipedia and I'm like, oh, that's what that thing is? Yeah. that No idea there, that's what that is. That's true. But it's still, I mean, the representation even is just like the. Okay, you got to be Kubrick level intelligence to understand. <laughs> oh, the bone is a nuke now. Well, not even that necessarily. That it's a nuke, but it's like technology. But that's literally what it's it is. technology, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the bone becomes the ship because the bone was the and tool. Fuck if I ever understood the the obelisk was making people, oh, inte- making things intelligent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So much of that movie flew over my head, but it's by Kubrick, so. It's well, still like he argued, like he like he argued. He's like it, the film is a it is, is a cinematic experience. It's not. Oh, that's a, a narr- he, It's not a narrative storyline. Oh, that's what his art. Okay, then Kubrick, you you <laughs> won again. And that's why what's one of the greatest movies ever is because it's. Yeah, two thousand one's got to be. Although, God, man, strange love of his films. Well, you know, because I I I, mean, I think I re I rewatched. I think it was last year. I watched it because I was just like, I was feeling real down about movies. So you watched Dr. Strangelove? Because <laughs> every now and then I'll, I'll do that. I'll like, I'm just like, man, I watched like, a, I just watched like John Wick and I'm like, I want to watch a good movie. It kind of, it kind of, <laughs> it, it, it just, and then I threw, it kind of destroys your, your I, love for cinema a little bit, right? Little, Watching all these bad movies. Like, man, little, I, I need a soulless movies. Are, is this and, an art form? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. It and is. then I watch and I'm like, because I, I was watching Strange Love, and um, the scene that I love, I just love it. It's so goddamn, it's so goddamn good. And it's probably the scene that people are like, "Oh, is it the you know the big board? Is it the this is the war room? There's no fighting in the war room." No, it's when uh, uh huh, your favorite scene, huh? <laughs> it's it's just this. The way that I love the way that Kubrick plays with mirrors, mm-hmm. and it's that scene where um, Hurling stayed in uh, 
Jesus, this JMB. Hurling Statham? Who's that? He's Jason a, Statham? Uh, fuck, the, the general. Oh, When he's yeah. in bed with the woman. That's not his wife? Was that Peter Sellers' character? No. No, he's in Hurling, bed with... Her, it's a, he's in bed with his wife, right? Peter no. Sellers? Yeah, because he gets a phone call for it's the not, base. It's not him. No, 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 but I'm, is that the general you're talking about? The yeah. one who goes crazy? No. Which one? There's so many. I don't know. They're different positions. Oh, God, what is his name? Oh, George C. Scott. George C. Scott, yes. Not Hurling He's State. in bed with his wife, isn't he? It's not his wife. It's his mistress. Oh, it's his <laughs> mistress? I thought that was his wife. <laughs> no. Yes, it's his mistress. Yes, that's who I meant. Yeah, you're right. It's not Peter Sanders. And he's getting the call. And that scene is so fucking perfect. And you're just like, God, damn, every little aspect of this, like the ca- the way the camera moves or doesn't move and the framing and, and it's like, you know, and he's like, you know, like, you know, oh. it's the perfect satire. Oh. It's oh. literally the perfect satire. Yes. Exactly. With the greatest actors. I mean, George C. Scott, come on, man. And the name, Strange Love, which is kind of interesting because the whole movie's about like. But these- also it's like Strange Glove on our String Glove, right? Yeah. Because you have the mind fjord with his strange glove. Yeah. But what I love too is it's about a bunch of powerful men that are just going to have a, a harem of women that they have to repopulate. And then it's like, maybe it's not, maybe the apocalypse isn't so bad. Yeah, I know, right? That's the way it is. That's a happy ending. <laughs> yes. And then the world is destroyed. And it's like, what the fuck? I, how? What well, is... the most iconic scene from that film has to be the where he's writing the the nuke down yeah the cowboy. and i mean what Major a great Kong. what a great shot right just sitting on the nuke yeehaw yeah. writing yeah. it down to the enemy i mean yeah like granted that's like such the cliche but it, i mean when you think about it what a fucking shot <laughs> what a what a setup for that strange love is so good i i think that's his best film hands down mm. yeah that's that's in my opinion that's his best film hands down it, like from the start to the end. You know, it's a challenging movie. It is, but it, is. it still is so funny and fun. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's I love just it. pitch perfect, man. And I then do it, love it, it. it makes you. I mean, it, watch one film, watch Doctor Strange Love, man. You'll be a better filmmaker all the way around. Oh, yes, you study will. Study that film. Like, I mean, yeah, study Citizen Kane too, but. Strange Love, like shit. Well, I think the thing that makes Strange Love so good is how close it as a pair as like as a satire that it touches to reality. Still to this day, sadly. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but also the thing that is so good about it is like every piece of the film is working together to like make the film just like a better complete whole yeah like you know people i I imagine people are like when he's when uh when he's like going through like the emergency kit and he's like two pieces of chewing gum four (laughs) sticks of beef jerky or whatever one bayonet and it's like why is he reading this to everybody? But it's also just like that was so military. It's such like a thing that the military would like like have him do. It's Did like, Kubrick ever serve? No, no. Of course not, dude. He's a fucking coward. 
<laughs> he was a fucking afraid of flying. What a bitch. Well, he loves soldiers, right? I mean, you got Spartacus. You got um. Well, he he was uh, fist or paths of glory. You got. Well, Dr. he Strange he always Love, talked about a metal jacket, the necessity of war. So he felt like it was a an evil necessity because he it's like he's like. I mean, he's like, humans are, I think he really didn't believe like humans are still those monkeys from 2001. Oh, without a doubt. Right. And he's like, we haven't really moved that far. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the whole point of 2001. Exactly. Because it's like. Uh, and then maybe humans evolve at the end. Well, I like the argument that uh, the most human character in 2001 is Hal. Why is that? Because uh, Hal essentially like his whole thing is like. Bowman and um, the other character are like they're kind of robotic in their emotions and like they just go through the same routine every day where Hal's like trying to figure out like what it is to be human and he actually lies and cheats and mm. he murders like he's like the most human character in the movie in some to some degree. Yeah, that's interesting. Like Hal's he's like manipulative and all this stuff. And a human through their growth too, mm -hmm. right? Like from birth and, of consciousness and to then his death. death. Exactly. And his death in the film is uh right, it's such a sad death, man. They're like it's they're, so basic, but they're stripping away everything that is him until he's almost until he's nothing. And he's like, I feel it fading away, Dave. Right? It was Dave. Yeah. Dave, what are you doing? Yeah, Dave Bowman. I can't remember what the other guy's like, name is. Dave, it don't stop. Yeah. And then he's describing his death. It's like yeah, and he's like, there's a song I used to, you know, be saying when I was being programmed. And it's like him, right? It's right. It's like if you were talking to someone, it's like when I was a boy, like this yeah. is what was sung to me as a That's child. That's super interesting. I never saw it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, Hal's voice is so monotone. So, you know, you don't get the inflection of, cause, of um, emotion there. It's like, because it's like, unless you really pay attention, you don't notice, but he cheats during their chess game. He does, right? And yeah. but Dave calls him out on it, doesn't he? Yeah. And like he and it's like he shouldn't be able to do that kind of thing. But which is how I play chess because I don't <laughs> really know a lot of the rules. Yeah, and it's like it's it's just really interesting into in that kind of respect because it's like Yeah, that that is really interesting to think of that uh that perspective on that film. See, that's the thing with like so many of Kubrick's films, you can watch them time and time again, and there's so many different perspectives to see of what the film is and you're not really wrong. Yeah. And exactly. you weren't wrong before. It's just a new way to a new lens in which to view it through. And I would say his most challenging film isn't even 2001. I would I think it's A Clockwork Orange. Why is that? Um because A Clockwork Orange I think your interpretation tells a lot about yourself and how you kind of feel about your respective place in society. Because Clockwork Orange is like, I think there are some people that come out feeling almost sympathetic towards Alex, which mm. is very strange because he's a violent rapist, yeah, and a murderer. But you're and but also it's like he's like through manipulation of the government, he is go he has gone gone through essentially mind control. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and like complete like behavioral modification and where it's like uh, what the government wants is to test prisoners out for 
uh, you know, to uh, change like their, uh, to control uh, yeah. people yeah. and to make them what they want as like the good citizen. And like, what does it mean to like have your own personality and like your own life? And like, did society make Alex the way he was? Or is it a product of who he is? Because it's like there's... And then should that be can then controlled, right? Should you control the monster? Exactly. And like also it's like, well, you don't condone his actions, but look at the... But you also don't condone the actions to control, <laughs> you know... The, there's that. And then also... The damnation. Um, the thing that's interesting about it too is like, you're never... Like, I don't think you're ever supposed to be sympathetic towards Alex, but it's like... But he also has a charm, so that gives you a natural sympathy towards him. Yeah, but because you also have to like juxtapose that he's a child, right? Oh, because he's like a teenager, he's right? Fifteen or sixteen? Well, is that how old he's supposed to be in the movie? Yeah. Damn shit, they really aged fast <laughs> in the future, huh? <laughs> right? Because it's like he's like fifteen, sixteen, and like I think there's a lot of like implications that remember that scene where it's like showing him in his room for the day and then it fast forwards him and he's like banging the chicks yeah (laughs) yeah exactly right and it's like when he gets out of the behavioral modification right no that's before oh i thought that was after no it's before okay it's right before he gets caught essentially Mm, before he goes in and and does the singing in the rain thing where he and then singing in the rain of all the movies yeah yep and it's like god damn dude yeah, you know, I because because I'm not a like, I don't know, rape in films just really. That's always a tough watch for me. Well, yeah, of course. But you know, like the trigger films, like I'm not really a trigger warning person. But that one's like, eh. but damn, man, if Kubrick didn't do that, for lack of a better word, tastefully. You know, like it has a reason to be in there. Well, I think that's. That's why I hate when people like uh, are like trying to censor old films. I'm fine with trigger warnings or warning people about the content of films. Yeah, I but think that's. Fine. I mean, like the the um, the uh, parental guidance, uh, whatever that is, right? With the mm-hmm. PG and all. I mean, I'm fine with that, right? Like, because yeah. that's like a trigger warning a little bit, right? Like, <laughs> it's if like, you don't yeah. want to see something too graphic, don't watch rated R. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason we have rating systems. Yeah, because it's like you you should know going in yeah. what what like especially like, like for families like like what to the, expect. There's certain movies you don't want to watch with families. But I think films should not really shy away from these things because it is a part of being human. Yeah, like it's an unfortunate aspect of being human. But it but it's it, real. Unfortunately, I mean, it's a you know. <laughs> very real human thing humans do what humans do and and they're monkeys yeah you know right? we really haven't gone that far yeah we're, we're still we're not that far from uh being afraid of the leopard yeah i mean that's why it's such a beautiful cut right because we're still the monkeys with the bone except we have less fur and and the bones floating in space now and and the the sadness is we think we're so much so fur, further ahead so sophisticated. That's the arrogant. That. That's a, there's like a human a arrogance. Hubris, right? Yeah, hubris. Exactly. That's a perfect word for it. And because um, I was thinking about it, because I, I read like probably like one of the saddest like stories I've ever heard. And I was like, this would make like one of the most haunting short films 
ever. So do tell. There was a story about a man that he's like a uh, he was like a single father, and he was in his forties, and he had a two year old son, and he had a heart attack, and he died. The dad. The dad. Not the continual. And, and and no one came and checked, and, and t- for like a few weeks, and they found the toddler dead because he had starved to death because you know he's a toddler he doesn't know how to feed himself and they found him curled up in the arms of the dead father and the father had been dead for a few days before the toddler had died and it's and like, that's a real story that's a real story and a social worker that was doing checks mm-hmm. on the to make sure like everything was okay because he had he had clear signs that he was having heart troubles mm-hmm. and so like they were supposed to be doing like these routine checks but oh, really? it was like a week or two weeks or something in between the checks, which was enough time for the, unfortunately for the toddler to, you know, die of starvation. And I was like, could you imagine that short film where it's like, it's like from the perspective of the toddler. Like I imagine <laughs> shooting it. I imagine shooting Make it, it like the Rugrats cartoon. <laughs> almost like, yeah, shoot it in black and white. And it's like the whole time there's just this heavy presence of like the dead father. And oh, it's like, that's the, awful. Right. And it's like, I was just reading the story and I was like, I don't know, man, that, that's a tough one. And I was thinking, right. Like, but that it's such a, like just hearing the story, I was just like, that could happen. Like that happened. Jesus yeah, Christ. That's that so like, that's what happens when that, babies aren't taken care of. Yeah. Like, they will die. They and it's like parents. And it was such a fucking tragedy. It's like, God damn. It just, when I read that, I didn't even finish reading the article. Cause I was like, there's just, there's no good outcome to the story it's like, <laughs> it's already over yeah yeah there's it's, this is just like the saddest thing i've ever because like you know like dude why don't you do that story that'd be good i mean i don't know if i'd watch it i wouldn't want to watch ha- it i'll help you make it though exactly i, I wouldn't want to watch it but fuck would it hit you <laughs> yeah it hit me i mean i know it, i was it, just reading like it. that hemingway story right the uh if you can make someone cry with two sentences or whatever right where it's um what is it? Newborn shoes never worn. Yep. No wonder you shot yourself. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, I was just reading that and I was like, I mean, maybe that's like a fucked up part of me where I was like, that would make a good movie. <laughs> no, or that no, would make no. a powerful film, I yeah, guess. But that's what films are supposed to be, right? Because I, I mean, let's be real. Films are this generation's are this new age of books. You know, no one who reads nowadays, no one fucking reads, but we watch movies and that's how you can reach people now is through visual. Yeah. You know, through visual media. Yeah, you should, man. Maybe you should really work, work on that one. Maybe that should be your next film. Yeah. Cause I was like, cause I was like, well, functionally it would be kind of easy to shoot. And as a parent, I mean, you would have a deeper insight than most, you know, you'd be able to really hit that true nerve. Yeah. But, and I could, but then what's the point? What are you trying to do? What's the ultimate outcome? Just, oh, hey, I just made something like. I think the ultimate outcome is. Like, like what's the, what's the purpose? What would be your purpose? I think my part of the purpose to me, the thing that stuck out is like there isn't like some kind of like overarching thing watching over us. Mm-hmm. Like thing like 
shit just bad things like this just happen and there's no one really to blame for it because i was thinking it's like would you do we blame like the social worker do we blame the father for not going and getting health checks Mm -hmm. and do we blame you know the mother of the child for not checking in on them having a baby or the baby for not being more clever yeah exactly not learning how to you know like find the cheerios or whatever (laughs) because i was thinking like in the shot of the movie like like there'd be like an amazon delivery where someone's like knocking on the door and like the toddler's like at the door but Mm -hmm. it doesn't know how to answer the door kind of thing it's like i'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) feed me yeah Yeah. i mean i think i think just because it's like we're you got to figure out that ultimate angle and that's interesting that pure nihilistic perspective where yes you're outraged or you're moved emotionally but there's no point in being moved because there's no point exactly or not that there's no point but that there's nothing to be upset about because that is simply nature yeah I've that, always, that's hard. That's hard to convey. That'd be a hard is. one to convey. That's why it's like, it's tough because I, there's a thing that I've, I've always liked where it's like nature doesn't give a shit. Well, no, nature will drown a baby as fast as it but, drowns an but, adult. But see the problem with that, because your story could have like a positivity to it. Whereas when you say nature doesn't give a shit, you're anthropomorphizing nature. That's true. You're right. It, it na- doesn't, it doesn't not give a shit either. Nature doesn't have that aspect to it exactly it just is so you know the positive ending or that kind of happy ending is the sense that yeah it's a tragedy but at the same time like you said who do you be mad at there's no one to really be mad at Mm -hmm. and there's a positivity in that (laughs) like let go of that emotion but of course it's an emotionally impactful yeah man that'd be really you should i think you should consider that because it's just that'd like be a really difficult film to it like be. to write like because like who like, wants to watch that not, not well obviously <laughs> but, no one wants to see that but i mean to but there's to, power to it but to convey that perspective like that'd be real tricky like how do you convey that because you could do like the sob story like oh, the baby's dead <laughs> and of course that's sad but that's too cheap that's too easy to to do it in like a perspective where it just is as simple and as cruel as that is mm-hmm. you know because you can I, I was also because i was like my mind immediately jumps to like you can almost make it almost cheap in the sense where it's like he dialed 911 but he didn't hit send if only the baby hit no, send, that, that's too right no, that's like too, no. but it's like you, you gotta find because i'm like man how do you do that? like because in my head, I was just like, this is like one of the most... Because the reason maybe, why, maybe, to me, it's so fucked up may, is because, it, like you said, it's just the nature of reality. Like, yeah. like sometimes... What can you be? Who can you... There's not... Yes, you're upset, but there's nothing to be upset at. Yeah. You're upset at of the event that occurred, but you can't direct... There's no way to direct it. Yeah. It's like a... It's like... So you got to let it go. Yeah, exactly. It's like if this is a a horrible tragedy, and like maybe we there's a lesson to be learned here. But I don't even think you put a lesson. No, no, I'm just saying. But like, just well, I'm just saying in the yeah in the context. Of but the like in the reality, and right, we should maybe like you know check in on people a little more. Or, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like there should like this shouldn't happen, yeah. and we need to figure out how to exactly. make that not happen. But 
that's what like separates but within us. nature i mean right like we, we you can't be birds are falling out of the sky because their <laughs> bellies are filled with so much plastics that they can't digest yeah. enough food but even then it's like you can't be mad at the tiger for eating the baby seal or like mm. have you ever seen like the komodo dragon videos i've where... seen enough nature to know how <laughs> i've seen hyenas r- trying to rip off an elephant's dick baby elephant's dick the like one of the most horrific things that is Komodo dragons because they will they are really attracted to pregnant deers. No, oh, wow. Because they like to rip out the babies while they're like in the womb. And it's like, can you imagine something more fucked up than that? Like, mm-hmm. goddamn. Like the animal kingdom. Well, even like it's pretty goddamn brutal. I mean, fucking like bacteria and shit, like the the prion. Have you heard of you you've heard of those, right? The prions or whatever mm-hmm. they are in the that brain. affect the brain. And- yeah just what they put the animal through or fungus. But, you know, maybe maybe the perspective could be the dad's already dead and you just always see like his feet kind of sticking out. But then it's the baby going through its everyday. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like, oh, shit. It just crawls into his arms. And then you understand like, oh, wait. No, yeah, this... He, Oh, and then it like cascades into that end. Because the sad thing is, is I'm like, the more I'm thinking about the reality of the situation, I'm like, his diaper probably like is overflowed. No, you put that, man. And it's like, Jesus Christ. But see, only a parent would know that too, right? Like the reality of like, yeah, you got to change those diapers pretty often or else that shit's overflowing. Right? Because the kid, they won't like... They'll be uncomfortable and they'll cry and whine about it. Yeah, and then you show the kid crying because, and then you realize like, oh, it's crying because the diaper needs to be changed and the caca is like starting to bother its body. Oh man, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, god damn it! No, honestly, I think you should do that's that's something, man. Because I was thinking like that's powerful, but I'm like, I don't even know if I could put myself through that. Like, who's like? But that's why it's you're the perfect what, person because you big? don't you don't want to put yourself through it. Yeah. So you would figure out how to do it yeah. right, how to do it right. Ah, man, I, I, you know, of all your ideas you've <laughs> mentioned, I think that's that's the one you go for. Yeah, because but not a feature. <laughs> no, no, that's what I was saying. It not was, a feature. No, I was thinking that's it was too much. No, you would not watch that for a feature. Also, that, that's just too much. But yeah, man, I think, I think that's what you should really go with. You're like you, Tom Casper, written, directed by. But like, who you're gonna cast in that? Well, I got a kid. You got kids. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> it ain't hard to find the actor. Yeah, but that's the scary thing. Is like, I don't know. Like, you, I think if doing something like that would change you, like that's right. like some come and see shit. Yeah. Well, no, because you're not going to put the kid through it. No, no, no. But like, just the you as a director. <laughs> well, then good. Uh, yeah. You, as it should. True. As every True. film should. That would be. Yeah. Because then you'll see through the bullshit. It wasn't. You weren't doing it for the money or for the notoriety. Like, f- fuck. That probably that could hurt you if anything. You know, fucking doing that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You just, what you would have to do is figure out a smart script to convey such a. Because there would be no dialogue, obviously. Yeah, to convey a very simple, but also complex matter, right? It's like zero. Zero is a very easy thing to conceive of, but like, how do you really express it? It's impossible to express absolute nothingness, right? So, yeah, that, that would take 
some real effort to get that into a script, but if you could manage that. Yeah. Damn, dude. I, 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 this is just my opinion from a drunk, <laughs> a drunk father, but man, I think, I think that that should be your next short, man. Yeah. Cause I remember just reading the story and I was like, I don't want this to be real, which I guess would be a reason to, to film it. Cause it's like the audience, the viewers would be like, please, this can't be real, but then it's real. And, yeah, because you got to have a message, but no message too. There the, can't be a the, message. The message is that there is no message, but you got to convey it in a way that's like understandable. Just the the nihilistic perspective of things, like you know. Uh, but in the negative, it's a negative. But then it's positive because there's nothing to direct it towards. Yeah. So then, what do you do if you can't direct the anger or the uh, the sadness or anything towards anything? Well, then you got to let it go. Hmm. Which has its positiveness to it, right? Like to accept that, yeah, shit's bad. So that's why you just tar, you just say dark jokes and have this yeah gallow sense of humor. Because <laughs> there is something about. And I want to make sure I'm using this word right, but like the banality. Banal, yeah. Um, I've looked that word up a couple times. Hell, if I know what it is, I barely learned what hubris was. Is on originality. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's the the word that's for not you. The, no, but what I'm trying to think of like there's because like when it's a directed action, like when a person goes into a school and like shoots up like a bunch of kids, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, uh huh. It's like we can like we can point. So many fingers. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, why was it this, that, and blah, right? Blah, blah. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. there's yeah. someone to blame. There, there's like, some again. There's that direction. You can blame it. You can target on right. that thing. But there's something about just the absolute uncaring nature and the of reality and the innocence of a, a a baby is. They're so innocent they can't even take care of themselves. Yeah. And it's like, it's just so heartbreaking that it's They're like, so innocent. They don't even know that if they don't eat, they'll die. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. <laughs> Damn, Tom. Yeah. Right? That's yeah, like, no, that's that's something that's something for you, man. That's that's really I will I I hope I sincerely hope. I know I don't think we got into that script for you to write. Um but I hope that'll be your next project, man. I would love to help you on that. That's that's something. That's something yeah. powerful. Yeah, I just think it's like anyone that watched that would just be ripped apart. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be responsible for that, I guess. That's a fear of mine. It's like, but then it's like, that's also. Well, that's why I think you got to, that's what I'm saying. I think you got to be real. Like, but, the, but that's what I'm saying. I think you got to have that reason. Mm-hmm. You're talking about nihilism, which is the absence of reason. Yeah. So, but you got to have a reason because you're dealing with people who, who don't exist in a, in nihilism. Well, like you said, you can say the universe is nihilistic, but for us individually, we are not nihilism. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, so so you gotta, that's, that, that's why it's so hard to convey, like, there's no reason, but there is a reason and you got to find out what the reason is while also depicting no reason. 
Well, I mean, the reason is that uh, it's sad. It's, it's powerful. Uh, What's the reason? It's it's that uh, sometimes there is just absolute tragedy, right? I don't know, like how else to put it. Sometimes shit happens, but bad shit happens for no that, reason. That's so. If you're gonna put someone through that, that's so fucking lame. But it's also just like existence is complete is suffering. You know, like the whole Buddhist thing. Like, just I don't even know if that's even the point, though. The point is that. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's 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 what you got to figure out is that perspective. And if mm-hmm. you can figure out what that answer is, well, then the script naturally present itself to you well there you know, isn't even story. really a script but the story like right yeah, okay exactly. this is the perspective this is what's happening this is how to convey it like and how to convey it yeah because yeah. like i don't even know like that's just, that's a tough one man. yeah that's like even next, just that's an iq above me man <laughs> i'm just thinking like even just to think like how would you even shoot that like see the difference i'm the monkey with the bone <laughs> you're being the monkey in space with the nuke <laughs> It's like, I can't. But the problem is there's not that big of a separation. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing, right? That's the thing. Right, exactly. It's like, no matter, you know, there's something, there is something about that is like, no matter how far we advance or how far that we believe we've advanced, that hubris, it's like every now and then we still just, we fall victim to just, you know, the... Just things happening. The cruelty of it's not even cruelty. Not even cruelty. Again, it's not you're even cruelty. Anthropomorphizing that. It's just you know, it's just so easy to anthropomorphize because we do it with everything. Well, as we will, right? Because we like are, how many people talk to their fucking car? We are what we are, so <laughs> we only know what we are because we, you know, it's like that's that's uh this the danger of consciousness is that we like we uh, uh pro- we project consciousness onto, onto everything. Everything, yeah, and even things that. Hey, like you know there's like we can't really measure consciousness either so like we can't really say like what is or what isn't conscious i will say the good thing about this story is i'm so glad it's your story (laughs) and not mine because jesus man that would wow that that would really drive me up the wall trying to just figure out that one that's why i've been i'm glad that's for you to figure out (laughs) not me man because i've been thinking about it because i was like do you just play it like almost like security cam footage or something it's like no i almost i mean you, i'll say i almost see it like first person but you don't want to do that no because like that rugrats thing stuck out to me but no you can't that no i don't know i don't know i was thinking like you just you, you want to be subtle i was thinking what if you just always shot from the floor but you don't want to pull on the heartstrings the heartstrings will naturally pull Yes. So you don't want to. You, you don't, don't want to be don't, like, look what I'm doing right. here. Yes. You, you cannot I, look what's going on. Right. Little yeah. baby curled up into his arms. Look, it can't be that because yes, that really happened, but it has to be natural. That has to be the end. Oh, that, well, you literally it was the end. <laughs> yeah. God, <Boy>. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, that was the end. Shit. Yeah. Because you know it has. I, I imagine it's just like the camera always just sits on the floor. And you never see a perspective other than from sitting on the floor. And it's got to be in black and white because toddlers don't see in color in a sense. What if it starts off with like the kid um, 
in like oh. their swing or their rocking chair. <laughs> and it's like they have to escape. <laughs> no, no, no. And, no. Then, and then, oh. yeah, they get out because it's like, hey, you haven't picked me up to change me or feed me. And so it gets up and then it's starting to wander around. Like that could be the start. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know a kid's that old that where they can move around. Well, the, like if, if, a, if in the swing and the story, it's two. So it'd be the same. The kid is the same age as Emma. Well, yeah, you know what two-year-olds do. So, like, but, which is weird. Or in their bed or something like. Because I think Emma could like, like she'd rip open like the peanut butter. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Emma doesn't count. She, she, that girl's a survivor, but you know, you know, like. She'd eat me, dude. <laughs> That that'd be like I think that'd be a nice spot to start at like maybe waking up from bed or you know, something every day that a kid does, but they've been there too long, so it's unnatural. Mm-hmm. And that's where you already implant the idea that something's not right. Well, you just start with a black screen and then you hear the like it, the baby crying. Cause that's like how Emma always like kind of signals. Is oh, she- and then she com she self comforts. Yeah. And then that's when she, oh, and, fuck. Right. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> and then it's like the journey, like it would be like the journey to find the body. No, no, I don't even think you do that. And I, think, then, I think you just have the body present, but in the background. But of course it's a reveal. Like if there's feet on the floor that aren't moving, like it's kind of obvious. So that's hard to do. Yeah. Maybe you just allude to it the entire time, but you got to also show the body at the start. Yeah. Because because you, you want to hint at it, but mm-hmm. then right away you also want to show the body that is actually there. But you also don't want people to understand that that's because I think the the thing is is the audience. It's how do you how soon do you clue them in that there is no escape? Well, that's where that Amazon thing could be good, because that could be the telling of the audience. Like, look, this kid ain't getting help. Mm-hmm. Because you you probably have to explain that a little bit so that they understand like, oh shit, no one's actually coming. Fuck. That, <laughs> that's just a hard one to write, man. That's that's a really hard one to write in general. Yeah. Like just, just how do you uh, uh, execute? It's a hard one to execute in general, let alone mm-hmm. the power of how tragic it is. Yeah, because... But if you can figure that out dude i don't know maybe you want me to cut it on the podcast because that's like, <laughs> oh no i wouldn't i've been re- thinking that's about- when jj abrams is like fuck spielberg <laughs> i'm gonna shoot, shoot good robot ba- you're gonna see the next babies. production good robot like uh, this is something i've been thinking about uh too we can talk about as well because we're talking about screenplays is like i think sometimes people are like almost like too protective of their screenplays because I uh, well, you definitely aren't. Because I don't like if someone wants to like rip me off, like I couldn't care less to that degree. I mean, yeah, but have you ever been ripped off like art wise? Um, because well, no. I have in photography. Damn, does it not piss you off, especially when they're succeeding and you're not? Well, that I mean, but I, I mean, think it's, I've been through it and it was just like. Like you piece of shit. Well, I've been in situations where I've had ideas for stories, and then I will like look and be like, "Oh, that movie is coming out." That yeah, is like that fair. exact same thing. And and honestly, that could be a little ego boost because, like, hey, I had the same idea, except you're making yours for like forty million. I had to 
actual because I think that's happened idea. to me quite a few times. Yeah. Um, but like I don't I couldn't like I don't care if he like someone wants like excellent. Yeah, like the lone baby directed by <laughs> Stephen Tejas. The lone baby. <laughs> that's the title. The lonely baby. I think I would call it the last day. No, that's no, that's no. not it. I don't know. The title would have to be... Maybe maybe that's one thing to figure out as a title. And then you can kind of use that to um, springboard you to the... Yeah. I got to pee. Okay. You want to do a pause? Because I got to... Yeah.